Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. This is Skyline Chili Cincy 360, about Cincinnati from Cincinnati. Sponsored in part by Skyline Chili. Stop by Skyline Chili for a three-way or cheese coney today. Feeling good? It's Skyline time. This is ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station. Yes, it is. Hi, hello, and welcome. Or should I say, hola, mi amigos. Me amo, Austin Elmore. This is Cincy 360. Happy Cinco de Mayo to all who celebrate. I'll be celebrating at Skyline Chili, just like everybody in Mexico is as well. Uh, Tony Pike out today, just me. But instead of the typical, I sit in a room by myself and press all the buttons and answer all the phone calls, I have a producer today. His name is Elliot the Zebra Rearing on his uh, retirement tour has decided to grace us with his presence today. We're grateful for that. We'll talk to Elliot in just a moment. We have a big show, a typical Friday show for Cincy 360, coming up at 105, 1 o'clock-ish. Charlie Goldsmith, Cincinnati.com, covers the Reds and the Bengals. He will stop by. We'll talk extensively about rounds 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 of the NFL draft. We talked with Charlie about round 1 Last Friday, we'll talk about what uh, the Bengals did in the closing rounds of the draft, plus the uh, w- what happened last night for the Louisville Bats is unbelievable. How does that affect what's going on with the Cincinnati Reds, who are, believe it or not, somewhat alive right now as we are in May in this strange Major League Baseball season? And we'll talk about maybe some of the decisions that uh, the Reds are going to be tasked with making over the next couple of weeks. FC Cincinnati back in Cincinnati this weekend at TQL Stadium taking on D.C. United. We will talk with Tommy G., the voice of the Orange and Blue, about what to expect from them this weekend. He joins us at the start of the 3 o'clock hour. At the end of the show, quick hits, locks of the night. No Mo Egger this afternoon. Chad Brendel is in, and we will talk with Chad Brendel. Uh, at uh, Quick Hits and Locks of the Night, get a preview of his show, maybe uh, get a check-in on the Cincinnati Bearcats as they prepare uh, for a summer of fun. Golf team, by the way. You see golf team, unbelievable, in the tournament uh, out there in Las Vegas. So a lot uh, to look forward to on the show today. A lot happened last night in the world of sports. Reds were off uh, only one game in the NBA playoffs, Western Conference semifinals game two between the Warriors and the Lakers, and it was blowout city. Uh, the Warriors destroying the Lakers 127-100 in that game. They put up 41 points in the second quarter, 43 points in the third quarter. LeBron James had 23 points, seven rebounds, three assists for the Lakers. His plus-minus was minus 27 Only one other Laker reached uh, more than 20 points. That was Rui Hachimura with 21. 
but it was a full team effort for the Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson had uh, 30 points, including eight three-pointers. Steph Curry had 20. Uh, Jamichael Green had 15. Andrew Wiggins had 11. Draymond Green had 11. Um, and uh, Draymond had 11 rebounds and nine assists, one assist uh, short of a triple-double. So that is uh, what happened in the NBA. Looking ahead to this weekend, the Reds are back home at Great American Ballpark. They'll be taking on the Chicago White Sox, led by Billy Hamilton. Uh, this weekend, fireworks Friday coming up tonight. Johnny Bench Funko Pop coming up tomorrow. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, FC Cincinnati is here. Looking ahead tonight in the NBA, you've got the Celtics in Philadelphia to take on the Sixers in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference. Semis, Nuggets are in Phoenix to take on the Suns. Looking ahead to Saturday, Knicks and Heat at 3.30, Warriors-Lakers at 8.30, and finally on Sunday, uh, the same teams that play tonight, Celtics, Sixers, Nuggets, Suns. So a full, full weekend of sports, uh, despite the fact that there is very little NFL. And then, listen to this, a week from today, okay, a week from right now, I'm not going to be here, but Tony Pike will be, and the Zebra, Elliot Rearing, will be, and they will have a full NFL schedule to discuss because a week from last night, the NFL schedule is being released. We know who the Bengals are playing. We don't know when and where and at what times they are going to be playing them. So looking forward to chatting about that as well. And obviously Charlie will be here to break it down next week as well. So uh, we're fully caught up on just about everything. And uh, I will now turn to my guy, uh, the zebra El Zebaruno, uh, Zeb, we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the show, but uh, you're you're leaving soon. That's cor- that's correct. You're that's correct, leaving Austin. soon, and and I was told that your dying wish was to do as many Cincy 360 shows as you possibly can. That's correct. That was my very last wish uh, okay. when I, when I gave in when I gave in the uh, the letter. So I, I'm very happy to be with you. No, you did not turn in a letter. You made a phone call. I did. Yeah. Yeah. But that kind of, um, it's kind of the same thing, though. In today's day and age, I think they're equivalent. Yes. Dramatic effect. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So uh, we're excited, as uh, as you are on your deathbed, to, to be able to... Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, to, <laughs> for you to be here. Now, I gave you a task today, and the task was yes. to come prepared for Cinco de Mayo. And in the in the past, I I have given you, and I think when I've been here on holidays and other things, I have given you the task of give me fun facts. Yes, I think we were here on President's Day. You gave me fun facts about presidents. I said I want as many fun facts as you can possibly give me about Cinco de Mayo. So we're going to be featuring those. We're going to be featuring some uh, Hispanic music uh, coming up throughout the show. Now, tell us why this was. This happens to be a coincidence. Tell us why. You have always been a huge fan of Mexican national Luis Sessa and uh, his uh, role with the Reds. Why were you always a Luis Sessa fan? Well, I was a Luis Sessa fan because it was one of the few moves that the Reds did correctly. They needed bullpen pitchers, <laughs> and they went out and got one. Uh, what was that 2021, I, I believe? I believe so, yes. Uh, so they picked up Sessa from the Yankees. It was actually a great trade. It was. The issue is that they have forced him to become a starter. <laughs> He was a proven reliever, and he was very good at it. Mm-hmm. Forced him to be a star. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. It doesn't work the same. Okay. Two, two, it's like it's it's asking T. Higgins to be a cornerback. 
they're similar, but it's nowhere near the same thing. I don't. I don't think that that's uh, equitable whatsoever. But I think that's I think an, it is. I think okay, it is. Okay. Interesting. Interestingly enough, speaking of T. Higgins, we're going to have a conversation about him oh. coming up a little bit later on because there's this conversation around the tight end position that I think might just bleed into a little bit the wide receiver position. And uh, you're actually going to hear from former Bengals quarterback Carson Palmer, something he said that's relatively interesting, and we'll talk about all of that coming up as well. But I want to start with you, Zebra, if you could lead us off with your first um, Cinco de Mayo fun fact. Okay. And before I do that, I have a couple of questions for you. Oh, this will be good. First of all, can you, in English, tell me what Cinco de Mayo means? No. Are I you cannot. are you serious? I I don't know it. You don't know what Cinco de Mayo means in English? No, I don't. It means fifth of May. Does it really? Yeah, Cinco is five. You ever heard of Ocho Cinco? Yeah. Day. Yeah. Of and Mayo May. I took German. Meine Name ist Elliot Vigetasinen. You took German? Yeah. Why? Because it's one of the most renowned languages in the world. Yeah, but nobody here speaks it. <laughs> it's, it's Meanwhile, true. half of our country, probably more than half now, speaks Spanish. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I, did, I wasn't. I was a freshman in high school. So excuse me. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Elder, the Elder oh, High School. Oh gosh. Okay, that explains it. it. Hello to everybody on the West Side. There Surely we go. tuning in today. There we go. Um, we appreciate uh, you being here. It's uh, it's Purple Friday, but you don't have purple on. No, I don't. Okay. I well, it's it's radio, so we could have told him I had purple on. Though, yeah. Right? Well, I'm not a liar. I don't lie to people. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite Mexican dish, Elliot? Tacos. Okay. What do you put on your tacos? I like I like like if I go to a traditional Mexican. First place, of all, is it beef or chicken? Chicken. Or, okay. Always chicken, chicken or fish. I get fish as okay. well. Okay. I don't know how Mexican that is, but okay. Well, they have fish in Mexico, Austin. I'm aware of that. So I get some chicken or uh, or fish, and I'll put. They have like little onions. Sure. They have uh, cilantro. Um, what else? They have cheese. Yeah, just like a traditional taco. It's it's not much. Onion, tr- onion, cheese, chicken. Okay, cilantro. All right, that's uh, that's pretty good. I'm disappointed in in the lack of sauce there. Like not a sriracha or a sour cream or. I don't I don't do sour cream. Okay, all right. I don't do mayo. I don't do sour cream. Oh my god. Man, this is difficult because you put mayo you know, on I, your tacos. I don't put mayo on my tacos, but mayo is an excellent condiment, and I deal with you know Tony Pike and his twelve-year-old uh, <laughs> palate every single day. So it's a little bit uh, frustrating that I have to deal with that from you as well. But you are already miles ahead of him. Yes. What do you have a favorite dish? What's your favorite? You know, I once ate tacos on Tuesdays for seventy-three consecutive Tuesdays, <laughs> starting during the pandemic. So I went 52 in a row starting in like March of 2020, and then eventually I just kept going for like another 20 weeks. That's a historic run. Uh, and I, it was. It was historic. I mean, you think of you know the, the, the great uh, hitting streaks in Major League Baseball, the A's winning 20 in a row in 2002. <laughs> like you think some of the great streaks in, in the history of sports, I, I was right up there with the, with the tacos. But uh, I actually made tacos last night, and – this evening, I'll be having tacos and margaritas. Do you plan on celebrating Cinco de Mayo? No, unfortunately not. I have to. I have to get up very early in the morning on Saturdays. So. Oh yeah. I will, I will be unfortunately having to to go to bed at seven o'clock. So tonight. when you leave here yeah. and you go to your new job, yes. Do you plan on, 
like going and doing things on Friday evenings and on Saturdays. That's the plan. Yeah, but I, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, but we'll we'll have to see. Man, we'll have to see. Now you are whatever working, the job entails. You're working the the uh, shifts right now that I used to work. Uh huh. And by God, is that miserable? <laughs> so I totally totally understand uh, what you're going through in that sense. But uh, I hope that you'll find a way to have a margarita or two uh, tomorrow morning with your friend. Uh, all right, we didn't get me, to the fact. I know, so I was going to say, hit me with your uh, Cinco de Mayo fun fact to get us started here on this beautiful Friday in the tri-state area. Okay, so we were speaking of Mexican dishes. Yes. Spanish dishes. Mole poblano is the official- Mole offic- poblano? Mole poblano is the official dish of Cinco de Mayo. Mole as in, what the, is that a, a translation? I, I I don't know. I don't think it's actual mole. All right. What is but in- it's mole poblano. It is a it's a rich dark brown sauce made with Mexican chocolate and a boatload of spices. Okay, so like a spicy chocolate. Yes. All right. That it's like sounds a, cool. It's like a sauce. It's like a yeah. It's like a sauce. Okay. Now you said you don't eat sauces. I don't really. So ketchup. I wonder if you would ketchup like occasion. mole poblano. Now, do you, now you like ketchup? I do. Do you like tomatoes? Yeah. I love tomatoes. See, yep. that for a while, I would like ketchup, but I hated tomatoes. Why is that? I don't know. It was weird. That's my dad. My dad doesn't eat tomatoes either. Yeah, I'm I'm growing into it because I feel like your taste buds change a lot. Mm-hmm. And mine, I, I, I am always trying new stuff, stuff that I used to hate. For example, now I like pickles. I like banana peppers. I can tolerate tomatoes. Yeah. I used to hate all that stuff. Pickles are great. I'm surprised you hated pickles. Pickles are the I could eat a jar of pickles. Yeah. I could go I, home tonight and just eat pickles. My family would do that and then they would like drink the pickle juice. Oh, I can't do but that. But they say that's good for you. You're apparently you're supposed to drink the pickle juice. They say popcorn is good for you, so I don't know how I like popcorn. <laughs> so do I. So do I, but I don't were know. You, were, what do you were you what are you trying to say there? Well, I'm just I don't think there I there might not be uh validity. So what kind drinking of drinking pickle juice is healthy. So what kind of dish do you put Mole poblano on. It looks like it's like over rice. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Well, I mean, rice and tortillas are basically the foundation of Mexican yes. culinary arts. Yes. Uh, and my entire diet as well. So, interesting. <laughs> okay, that's our first one. Mole poblano is the official dish of Cinco de Mayo, which in English translates to... I don't know. 5th of May. I told you that already. Oh, sorry. And uh, we're off to a roaring start. That's Elliot the Zebra rearing. I'm Austin Elmore. Phone lines are open, 513-749-1530. You can also tweet at me, at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. We've already got a couple of phone calls coming up. Uh, We're not going to try to be too serious today. I have some thoughts to share on the Bengals. I have some thoughts to share on Joe Mixon and Jonah Williams. I have some thoughts to share on the Reds and where they're at. We're going to talk to Tommy G. We're going to talk to Charlie Goldsmith. We're going to have talkbacks in hour number two and Chad Brindle with quick hits and locks of the night as well. So <clears throat> it's a it's a typical Cinti 360 Friday. When we come back, we'll take the phone calls, and we'll also talk about how there is something that happened when Carson Palmer was asking for a trade and how that – to me, is applicable to what's happening right now, not only with Jonah Williams, who has requested a trade, but also with Joe Mixon. And it also kind of cropped up at the beginning of this offseason when the Bengals were trying to do something in free agency. I'll connect all the dots when we come back. I'm Austin Elmore, and this is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. What if you could have a career 
where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. C360 resumes. Brought to you by Safe Auto. Give us three minutes, save up to 25% on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station. One and two and Encarnacion straight to the pitch. High fly ball. Left field and deep. Bradley back on the wall. He turns around and it's a three homer night for Christian Encarnacion straight. The Reds' number six prospect, his third homer of the evening. All out to left field, and that one travels 385 feet, 106.8 off the bat. <laughs> Can you play that back? Who, who is that guy screaming, boy! If, if we can bring that back, that'd be wonderful. The Reds' number six prospect, his third homer of the evening. All out to left field. That yeah. One Travels 385 feet, 106.8 off the bat. That's what it sounded like last night. Louisville Bats coverage of Christian Encarnacion's three strands, three home run game. That was complimented by Matt McClain hitting for the cycle. Call these boys up. Let them come play. No sign of Joey Votto anytime soon. Matt Reynolds. Come on, bring up the young kids. Let them play. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We'll talk about that with Charlie Goldsmith as well at 1 o'clock. In the meantime, we'll talk Bengals in just a little bit. But before we do, we'll go to the phones. And we'll start with Jeff in Virginia who wants to talk about the Bengals. Hello, Jeff. Afternoon. Happy Friday, gents. Likewise. Uh, Zeb, 100% with you on the sour cream. Uh, Thank the Mexican you. sauce is called mole sauce, not mole Mole. Sauce. mole. There you go. That's right. Oh, we've established he's not great at uh, Espanol. Yeah. Uh, nobody would eat mole sauce thinking of what runs <laughs> under the ground all day long. So, um, and I love tomatoes, but I hate ketchup. Okay. There you go. Right there. Right back Thank around. Uh, big shout out to Mo pulling out the biff on Back to the Future 2 last night on the lock of the night saying under 227 and a half in the Warriors, and the number came in at 227 on the nose. Yep. Um, I think he even said it would be a blowout at some part of the second half. And yeah, everybody I, think, would be right. I think he had a perfect night, if I'm not mistaken. He, he did. He, he made a good call. He got me a good parlay on that last night. Nice. Um, Good news on the Bengals will not be playing the Chiefs in Germany. I'm sure CBS yeah. has had that game on lockdown since they knew that the Bengals and Chiefs would be playing, and hopefully we get that late December Sunday afternoon game uh, out of Kansas City on CBS. Yeah, I, st- and- I still think that's there's a very good chance that that ends up being opening night. 
I still think there's a I, decent chance of that. Yeah, you and I talked about that. I'm not 100% in favor of that. I would much rather them open. Their home schedule is literally, it's like us, Buffalo, Philadelphia, you name it, they're playing at home this year. Um, It'd be great to go there, win, get off to a good start, but I'd rather rather play at Cleveland on opening weekend and beat Cleveland in Cleveland or something like that. that, That's good. Uh, Next Thursday we'll find out, so – and I'm with you, Austin. Get these guys on the bus out of Louisville yesterday. Yeah. There, there's absolutely no reason that these guys are not playing at the major league level. I, and service time, schmervis time, whatever. Get these guys up here and see if they can hit major league pitching now. Yeah, it's, that's what I don't quite understand is how can bringing them up now totally derail the rebuild? If you – if your plan is to do what you did with Hunter Green, well, then it shouldn't be a problem to bring them up now. We've seen Atlanta be able to do this. We've seen Tampa be able to do this. We'll talk about it more later on, but I, I don't think you're helping anybody at this point by keeping them down there. No, I agree. I'll be really anxious to hear what, what Charlie's thoughts are on it. So uh, enjoy your weekend, gents. we got some horse racing going on and uh, hopefully some good weather as well. Likewise, Jeff, thank you so much. Have a good one. That is uh, Jeff in Virginia chiming in his thoughts as uh, we get Cincy 360 going. I'm Austin Elmore in for Tony Pike today. T. Pike uh, will be coming back on Monday. In the meantime, it's you, me, and the Zeeb. Dave in Indiana is waiting on hold to talk Cyclones. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk and get this point across about the Bengals because I, I, I look at what's going on with Joe Mixon. I look at what's going on with Jonah Williams. We have talked about this all offseason, about these two players. And then especially when Orlando Brown Jr. gets signed, that Jonah Williams then asks for a trade. And typically in the past, that doesn't necessarily go well for the person who gets traded. If you remember when Carson Palmer uh, had been fed up with Mike Brown and been fed up with the state of the franchise and had requested a trade, Mike Brown didn't budge. Mike Brown waited and waited and waited until the last possible moment, and then he traded Carson Palmer to the Oakland Raiders. And he did that knowing that uh, the dysfunction within the Raider organization was equally, if not just as bad as the dysfunction within the Bengals organization. He did not do that by mistake. And... I kept thinking back to the questions that were asked of Mike Brown at the time about Carson. And Mike kept saying, Carson made a commitment to us and we made a commitment to him and we intend on keeping that commitment. And for as much as everything has changed over the last several years with this organization, really dating back to the end of the Marvin Lewis era, the hiring of Zach Taylor, and so on. As much of things as as much as things have changed with the way that they go on social media and the way that they build their roster and how active they are in free agency and not bringing in guys with character issues and what they've done selling the naming rights to the stadium and so on and so forth. It still feels to me that that general thought of we made a commitment to you, and you made a commitment to us, we plan on keeping that commitment, that thought still feels very much intact to me when you think about 
the Joe Mixon and Jonah Williams situation. When Jonah asked for a trade, I thought, no, that's not happening. He's not getting traded. The Bengals are not going to do that. And the Bengals have no reason to do that because he is a valuable piece at a critical position. They were just bitten in the butt in the offseason or in the in the postseason last year due to injury. They need a guy who can play that position, especially with L. Collins coming off of ACL surgery. And I don't think the Bengals would bat an eye at paying Jonah Williams the money that they agreed to pay him when they picked up his fifth-year option, knowing that he can play right tackle. And by the way, playing right tackle in the NFL now is still a very valuable position. Another contract just got done the other day with an average annual value of $20 million per year. So it can be very profitable for Jonah Williams to play that position. So I think that that still might be in play with Jonah Williams, that thought process of making commitments and keeping them. I think the same thing about Joe Mixon because as much as there has been reason to move on from Joe Mixon in today's NFL with the fact that running backs are, uh, for lack of a better term, a dime a dozen, and Joe Mixon not having the ability to pass block, Joe Mixon now causing problems in the character box of the way the Bengals evaluate players with what happened with this allegation of brandishing a firearm and the nonsense that went on at his home with the the BB guns and all that. Whether Joe Mixon right, wrong, or indifferent, innocent, or guilty, it's still a distraction. It's still a guy that's $12 million. It's still a guy that can't pass block. And your offense has changed so much and so significantly that it is not beneficial and it does not understand, it does not seem to be worthy of the $12 million, worth the $12 million to have Joe Mixon on your team. And so for the last several months, we've been sitting around waiting. Well, he's going to get restructured or they're going to cut him or they're going to trade him or whatever it might be. Here we are, May 5th, none of that. Joe Mixon's still a part of the team. They didn't draft a guy that you expect to come in and start, although I think Chase Brown might surprise some people in training camp. Zach Taylor says Joe Mixon is our starting running back. Okay. And the Bengals historically, how many times could you count on one hand? Uh, how many times the Bengals have restructured somebody's contract? The answer is almost none. None that I can think of. All offseason, the NFL, half the, the, the news you see now is, so-and-so team restructured so-and-so player's deal and converted into into this. The Bengals don't do that. And with the impending salary cap not only raising, but with keeping Jonah Williams, which it seems like they're going to do, unsure about Lael Collins, the crazy amount of money you just gave to Orlando Brown It makes more sense now than it ever has to move on from Joe Mixon, yet the Bengals remain steadfast. Why is that? Is that because Mike Brown and the Bengals made a commitment to Joe Mixon and Joe Mixon made a commitment to them and they intend to keep that commitment? And Mo made the point yesterday on his show, it's really not that bad to stay with Joe Mixon this year. 
And I don't necessarily disagree with him, especially when you look at the options that are currently there. And so I look at all of that, and then I remember what was said at the beginning of the offseason when I believe Paul Daner Jr. wrote a, 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 an article in The Athletic about the Bengals' philosophy going into free agency and how their primary focus was to keep their own guys. They wanted to keep Von Bell. They wanted to keep Hayden Hurst. They tried like hell the season before to keep Jesse Bates. They wanted to do everything they could to keep what was currently there intact. But they were not willing to overpay for those guys. But when you have this stretch run of, of really good with your team, you, you tend to want to keep it together, right? You want to keep as much of this magic in the locker room as you can. And so I wonder if they look at Joe Mixon and say, we've lost a lot on the defense. We've lost a couple of guys on offense. Let's, let's try to keep Joe Mixon, try to keep this locker room together because he's close with the receivers. He's close with Joe Burrow. He is experienced more than any, almost any other offensive player that we have. So let's try to keep him and take care of our guy who up until this offseason was a model citizen off the field prior to, in, prior to the draft notwithstanding, who has done everything we've asked him to do with the exception of being an, an exquisite pass blocker. Let's keep one of our own, and we're willing to pay for that right now. Because there are going to be people being cut off next year. That it's just from a financial standpoint, it's going to make more sense. So to me, I think that that very well could be the mindset of this organization right now. And who knows what's going to happen between now and September when the season starts. But I wonder if that thought process, because we don't see the, the, the contracts being restructured and we see them trying to keep their own here, I wonder if that thought process of making commitments to one another and keeping them is one of the things that has not necessarily changed as much as everything else has in the last couple of years. And as much as from a surface level it may not make sense, I do in a way get it when it comes to Joe Mixon. And I just hope that, and, and I applaud the Bengals for not, not overpaying for Hurst and Bell and using that money elsewhere and continuing to double down in their draft strategy about the character guys and the leaders and the big programs and the experience. I commend them for doing that. And so because of the benefit of the doubt they have earned in everything else, I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt in the way they handle Joe Mixon, too. I don't know what you think. 513-749-1530. You can tweet at me as well, at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. This is Cincy 360 on Cinco de Mayo on ESPN 1530. Amigos, welcome back. Cincy 360 ESPN 1530 Cinco de Mayo edition. I'm Austin Elmore alongside Elliot Los Zebra Rearing. Elliot, I have a pop quiz for you. Cinco de Mayo pop quiz. I'm what is fail. 
What is Cinco de Mayo translated to English? Fifth uh, of May. There you go. There Let's we go. go, man. Let's get, go. Get hot, then, kid. Yes. Yeah, man. All right. Yes. Let's uh, let's start off this uh, this segment with a Cinco de Mayo fun fact. What can you tell us about uh, this big celebration that's happening today? And I'm sure for some, we'll leak into the weekend. Yes. So Cinco de Mayo didn't take off Austin until the 1940s. Really? A Chicana activist in the 60s, 60s yes. Rojas Clark, recalls their intent to raise the cultural awareness of Mexican-Americans since this history was neither taught nor recognized in our curriculum. Interesting. Yes. So tell me about your time at Elder High School. Oh, no. And where did, did you go to UC? I did. Oh, I went to University of Toledo first and then UC. Okay. I wouldn't tell people about the Toledo stop. Okay. All right. Um, so at any point during your, your time there, did you graduate? I did. Okay. <laughs> at any point during your time there, do you recall uh, Mexican-American studies? Uh, or learning about it? Uh, yes. Okay. Y- yes, I do. But again, I was, I, I was they, like, if you took Spanish, you were going to learn more about it than other, like the other kids. Understandably. Uh, I took German. Okay. So you could, you can see how I may have not have gotten the full um, experience. Yeah, there. I don't think you got the full in a lot of things. But yeah, no, that's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's an understandable point. Yeah, that's so. It's primarily an American holiday, right? Yes. So this isn't something that in Mexico they're not shooting off fireworks like the Fourth of July. Nope. This is just nope. an American holiday to celebrate Mexican Americans. Correct. Okay. What's, what's the what's the Spanish dessert with the with the cinnamon? What is that? Uh, churro. 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 I got it. Yeah. Churro. Yeah. We had churros on uh, Cinco de Mayo, I believe it. Okay. Why didn't you bring any churros for us today? Uh, that's a good question. I wasn't. I, mean, I told I, you about this, and I, I told instructed. you about the plan. I mean, I, I shouldn't have to tell you. Why not? I would like instruction. Okay. Our, our guy in the sales department today, Trey Green. Yeah. He brought in donuts for everybody. You think anybody told him to do that? No. Okay. But you know, Alex Egan, your superior. He well, he brings in cookies all the time. That's an exceptional case, Austin, because he's a special kind of guy. He is very special. But nobody tells him to bring in cookies. That's true. So. And he hand makes those. He does. Yes, he does. All right. Uh, enough of this. Uh, we got a couple of minutes here, and uh, that's a perfect time to go to our guy Dave in Indiana. Dave, I failed to mention the Cyclones at the top of the show. I was hoping that you would call in. I hope that I was hoping you would see that as the bat signal, because round two in the Kelly Cup playoffs for the Cyclones starts tonight. Is that correct? It is correct. I seen your bat. I heard your bat signal, and uh, <laughs> let's get it started. Uh, first, with Game 7 Wednesday night with Fort Wayne Comets. Wow, what a night. Uh, the place was electric. It was one of the smallest crowds I've ever seen, sadly. But I'll tell you what, we were loud. Yeah. I dropped the first puck. Um, I did good. I didn't fall. You know that rug's <laughs> slipping on that ice. <laughs> so yes, I was I pretty do. happy about that. Um, but they came out, and I'll tell you what, we've talked about over the past when, these te- when this team takes a bad loss, they come back and they bounce right back. It's all, that's all locker room attitude. I think that they played the most complete game I have seen all year long. They came out with a fire. They were skating fast. They were hitting hard. They got a lot of good quality shots. Uh, their defense was hitting people, getting skips in the passing lanes, and our goalie was one goal better than theirs, that's right. which is great. Although Fort Wayne did score a goal with a minute 11 left in the game, 
but it was reviewed and it was goalie interference. They took it right off the board. Huh. So we got that win. And uh, I'll tell you what, it well, was I, just I, a. Uh, I have a question for you, a hockey term that sure. I hear frequently, and obviously right now with the Stanley Cup playoffs happening as well, mm-hmm. I hear pucks on net. What does it mean to get pucks on net? Okay, let me, let me explain. Uh, you know, a lot of people, the saves and the shots on goal are kind of confusing to people. Um, the goalie only gets a save if the, if the puck hits them, and if they weren't there, the puck would go in the net. Um, so that's the only way a goalie gets a save. If, if he shoots it wide, if, if the shot goes wide and it would not have went in the net, is not a save. Um, as far as a shot on the goal, you only get a shot on the goal if it would have went in the net if the goalie wasn't there and only if it hits the goalie. Okay. So as far as saves and shots on goals, they would have been a goal unless something else happened to prevent it. So okay. that's a little confusing for the, the rookie hockey fan. But, yeah, you know, I mean, you see – you go to any hockey game, you see, you know, a 1,000 shots at towards the net. But if only 50 of them were to win in a goal, that's only 50 shots on goal. Okay. So – That'll straighten that up, but um, the, the, it, it was it was unbelievable Wednesday night. You know they pulled it out sure. and uh, they they're moving on to Toledo and um, you know Toledo is a very tough team. The we walleye, the walleye, in, is that correct? Correct. Okay. The Toledo walleye is a very tough team. We've been you know switching back and forth first and second division all year long. Uh-huh. Um, the series was six three and two this year. We won six. We lost three in regulation, and then we lost two in overtime. Out of the 11 games we played with them, four of them went to overtime. This wow. is going to be a very tough series. Toledo added seven players from their AHL affiliate, Grand Rapids, who did not make the playoffs. We only added two. So they've got – they have brought some talent in. Um, their goalies are fantastic, both of them. Do you think um, that the, the, the new guys coming in, though, can affect the chemistry of a team like the Walleye? Um. I don't think so. I think it can a little bit. But when you have seven guys coming in, you know, um, those guys will play. They've been playing together all year up in Vegas, you know, and they're going to play together here. So, you know, I, it can affect some of it. But when you have uh, what's called lines in hockey, you have three forwards and two defensemen, and that's what's called a line. Right. You know, they'll take those AHL players and they'll take three of them and put them on a line so they play together. Okay. So I don't think it affects the chemistry of the overall team. Um, it, it's just a, uh, they're just, they're just good players. You know, I mean, they're dropping down a the league. They, they've got NHL talent, AHL talent. And, um, you know, they're, they're playing down in here just to, to help out the EHL, um, affiliate. And, you know, that, that does make a difference for sure. So it's going to be a tough series. I expect it'll go seven games. Um, mm. uh, and, and, and honestly, with looking at the rest of the ECHL, I believe, and it's just my opinion that, the winner of the Kelly Cup will come out of this series. Okay. That's my belief. There you and go. That is a hopefully and, and it's a strong game, belief. Game, it's game. a mild prediction. Yeah. Very quickly, what mm-hmm. do you got for us this weekend? What are your anticipations um, for tonight and moving forward? Uh, Friday night, first of all, I anticipate hopefully a packed crowd. Five dollar margaritas and five dollar modellos. So it is Cinco de Mayo night and here, and hopefully we pack the house. Um you know, honestly, Austin, if they if this team, if the Cyclones come out and they play like they did Wednesday night, I think they could beat every ECHL team and most of the AHL teams. Fantastic. They're, they're, they're complete. I mean, they played 
it, it was the best game I'd ever seen. I'm kind of a little mad at the Cyclones organization. They sold me a whole seat, but I only used the edge of it Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's a good a, one, uh, Dave. That's a good one. All right, it, we're, we're, it, we're running out of time rapidly. It's Cinco de Mayo night at the, uh, at the arena down there by the river tonight. Dave, one last question for you. Can you tell me what does Cinco de Mayo mean in English? Um, I believe it means May fifth. Okay, you so got it, Dave. I, I didn't go. I didn't go to Toledo co- College in Toledo, so I'm not <laughs> sure about it. All right, Dave. Thank you so much for the phone call. Have fun this weekend. There you go, Cyclones update. Did you hear that, uh, Elliot? Did you hear what he said there? I did. Yeah. You also, all right. I got a question for you. Okay. Real quick. Real quick. Real yeah. quick. I used so I used to call uh, games in high school. I was part of the broadcast. Yes. Uh, broadcast team. I, I did games for Elder. They needed a, a hockey broadcaster. Yes. So my buddy and I, we we were called in. We're the F team. Yes. We were called into bro- every whistle that was blown. I just said it was icing on the air. Okay. Is that accurate? What's uh, icing? It probably wasn't. So I just called icing. Yeah. So if, if there was a whistle, if there was a goal scored, icing. Icing. No matter what it was, I called icing. Do you know what I, icing is? I don't. Okay, well then this conversation. I, I know that the puck is normally shot down towards the other end of the floor or towards the other end of the ice, and then they whistle it and they call icing. Okay. That's all I could tell you. All right, pucks on net. Pucks on net is also a very important uh, thing that uh, Dave cleared up for us there. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Cinco de Mayo edition of Cincy 360, brought to you by our friends at Skyline Chili on the home of the Bengals, ESPN 1530. Hola, mi amigos. Welcome back. Little Enrique Iglesias on this Cinco de Mayo 2023. Austin Elmore in for Tony Pike since he 360. Very quickly, we got to go because Charlie Goldsmith is waiting by the phone as we speak. He wants to talk to us. Uh, and I'm sure he wants to talk about Cinco de Mayo because if anybody knows a holiday, it's Charlie Goldsmith. So uh, this is going to be a, a slight little touch and go. We'll come back and we'll talk Reds, Bengals, Draft, Cinco de Mayo, and more. On this beautiful Friday afternoon, you've been listening to Cincy 360. Hour 2 is next on ESPN 1530. ESPN 1530 Cincinnati. Available everywhere with the iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. ESPN 1530, an iHeartRadio station. This is 1530 WCKY, the 50,000-watt orange and black home of the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati's ESPN 1530. This is Cincy 360, about Cincinnati, from Cincinnati. This is ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Hi, hello, welcome in. Hour number two, Cincy 360, ESPN 1530. My name is Austin Elmore with you on this beautiful Cinco de Mayo 2023, Tony Pike is out. He will return on Monday. Between uh, now and then, it's Charlie Goldsmith, it's Tommy Gallerter, it's Chad Brindle, it's the Zebra, and it's you and me at 513-749-1530. A lot to talk about over the next couple of hours. We now go to our friend, Charlie Goldsmith, who joins us every single Friday because he is a good person. J- uh, Charlie Happy Cinco de Mayo, my friend. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Uh, will you be celebrating this evening with Cinco de Mayo, or are you going to be working the uh, the Reds game? You know, why not both? I'm hoping, you know, maybe with a taco <laughs> bar as the media buffet, uh, maybe there's some Cinco de Mayo-themed entertainment at the Reds game tonight. So I'm okay. Hoping- 
All right. Now, we had this conversation with, with my producer, Elliot, earlier. Uh, what goes on a taco? Let's take me through the mind of Charlie Goldsmith when, when building a taco. What do you go with? Always chicken, always rice, usually beans. And then mm. uh, I do like some variety, different types of salsa, different types of, you know, you'll throw the corn on there. You'll throw the lettuce on there. Yep. Uh, definitely cheese. I, I do like to mix it up. Usually I ask the, uh, like the place where I'm getting the tacos from, what are your most popular tacos? Okay. I'll go with that. Do you like sriracha sauce, Charlie? Sometimes, you know, I like sriracha a lot with breakfast. Okay, yes. That's when I have the most sriracha. That's a great move. All right, I'm going to let you choose the direction of this interview. Do you want to start with the Reds, or do you want to go with the Bengals, or do you want to keep talking about uh, Hispanic heritage and Mexican-Americans and food? Let's go Bengals. All right, let's go. We uh, we talked last week about round one, Bengals taking Miles Murphy. After that, they uh, continue to do what they have done, which is premier positions, positions of need, best players available. Uh, what stood out to you about the Bengals draft in rounds two through seven uh, in uh, last weekend? The more I've learned about these players, the more I realize that win now is a bigger part of this conversation and this calculus for who they picked than maybe even we gave them credit for at the at the you know when these guys got drafted. Yeah. DJ Turner, your number four corner, that is a guy who's going to play a lot immediately. Jordan Battle, the more I've dove into his game, I think he could be the Trey Flowers replacement. I think he's the best <laughs> profile on the team to be your tight end stopper. And that's a guy who's on the field for the biggest downs of the game against you know, Travis Kelsey, it's as important as it gets. Sure. Charlie Jones, your returner, plus he's going to have a legit role on the offense where they try to find some ways to get the ball in his hands. Uh, Chase Brown, they're going to be handing him the ball pretty frequently. You know, obviously Joe Mixon will be the, the starter, assuming he stays on the roster, but they needed another guy they can hand the ball to. Brad Robbins, he'll be on the field a lot, top to bottom pretty much, with only a few exceptions. This is a class of immediate contributors. Yeah, it felt like – not only because that was kind of the conversation Tony and I had afterward because he didn't really necessarily love it when you think of it from a win-now situation. I said, I, I do think this is win-now. This is plugging some holes, and not only is it getting guys like you mentioned Battle can come in, and, and that's a great point, and be that Trey Flowers replacement, but also you're getting speed, which they lacked, and you're shoring up, it feels like to me, your special teams in a lot of ways, which is a, a part of the ball that they really struggled with last year. They really struggled on special teams last season. A lot of inexperience, a lot of penalties, a lot of big plays. Uh, now looking at this, you know, Jordan Battle's got a ton of special teams experience. The speed you mentioned of a guy like DJ Turner. Charlie Jones has done just about everything on special teams, plus brings that speed. I really do think that with the depth and with the athleticism, you'll see a really, you know, maybe the Bengals' biggest weakness last season, special teams, get a big jump. We talked a lot about, not only last week when you were on, but also in the week since about how they did not draft a tight end. And it seemed like the, the fan base really, really wanted that. And it just seems to me like the Bengals are not necessarily in a position where they feel like they have to overextend themselves to address that position. Plus, you have a bunch of tight ends that just got drafted. There's a bunch of them on rosters now. It feels like they would be able to pick one up once cuts happen or training camp or whatever. And just in general, it's not as big of a part of the offense maybe as people think it is. Am I reading that correctly in your mind, or do you think that uh, they still need to address that position? 
I agree with everything you said. I just, for my own purposes, did a 53-man roster projection just to keep on hand on file. And for tight end three, I did put literally this year's Devin Asiasi, whether it's a guy <laughs> they get heading into camp or, or a guy they get at the end of the, the at the end of the uh, preseason. So here's the most fascinating when it comes to tight end pick of the draft. Fourth round, they go with Charlie Jones over really Josh Wiley. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, who's the guy that's going to impact the Bengals more in 2023? I think that's probably Charlie Jones, plus he plays a more premium position, yeah. plus he gives you that special teams upside they need. Um, you know, we talked about how they'll find ways to get the ball in Charlie Jones's hands. He'll have the ball in his hands. He'll make an impact as a returner. Going forward, he gives you a potential slot receiver of the future. He just does a lot more for you, again, at a much more premium position than a guy in Wiley who's probably not playing a ton of snaps right away, a guy you're probably going to have to develop more. And I like Josh Wiley a lot, but if you're comparing those two players, I do think Charlie Jones was the better pick. And then in the fifth round, they needed a running back before all the running backs went. And by the time they got on the board for the Yoshivash pick in the sixth round, all the good tight ends basically were gone. So it is really true. They never got that chance to draft. or It never really did line up for them right. where the best pick would have been a tight end, specifically because Kincaid was off the board in the first and Laporta was off the board in the second. Yeah, you know, We also talk a lot about how um, there are always a lot of receivers in the draft every single year. We know that a Burrow extension is coming. It feels like maybe the T. Higgins thing is coming. And you also look and say, okay, well, there's Devin Asiasi, there's Irv Smith Jr., and more than anything, there's Joe Burrow at quarterback that can make those guys better. Do you think at all that that thought process would eventually apply to the wide receiver group as well in the sense of maybe not going after a T Higgins extension, maybe trading him and trust that in the trust that the offensive line is always going to need to be worked on, but Joe Burrow is good enough to make guys like Charlie Jones good, to make guys like Yoshi Voss or whoever you might be drafting in the future good. Do you think that there is some validity to that thought that we have Joe Burrow, which puts less of an emphasis on the wide receiver position. I think the train of thought is the opposite. Look at the people making these decisions. Mike Brown has a long, long history, and you know Duke Tobin, a guy who very much follows the Mike Brown, Mike Brown coaching tree, if you will. Mm-hmm. They have a long history of investing a lot in multiple receivers, whether it's the guys in the '80s all the way up to the present. Zach Taylor ha- has had, you know, with Los Angeles, they invested more in receivers than anyone in the league. Brian Callahan worked in Denver where they invested more in receivers than anyone in the league. If I'm projecting the Bengals' future right now, and theoretically, let's say Tyler Boyd leaves after this season, personally, I'm interested in drafting a first-round first wide receiver next yeah. year or a second-round wide receiver next year. If Jackson Smith and Jigba had fell to the uh, 28th pick this year, I would have been interested in that because that For was sure. probably your best chance to get an elite upside receiver at such a premium position. I think they'll make that bet that Joe Burrow will make them better at positions like tight end and running back and – you know, they'll probably continue to stay with veterans on the offensive line, but hope for some, you know, discounts for a team chasing a Super Bowl. And then they'll kind of keep its own little ecosystem going on on the defense. But I do think that aside from quarterback, they think receivers is as important as anything. They've designed the whole offense around guys who can get open quickly, and they need to keep, you know, refueling that funnel to keep this offense as explosive as it can be. Does T. Higgins get extended? I think he should, and I think they want to. Um Obviously, the Burrow extension puts its own factors into it. Um, I think, again, I, I, every 
every piece of evidence about the front office, about Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, everyone making these decisions shows you that they have interest in paying premier money for a receiver in T. Higgins, Mm -hmm. even though they have another premier receiver in Jamar Chase. Every decision they've made shows you that their belief and vision for team building has a a guy like T. Higgins next to Jamar Chase as they build the long-term offense. As somebody that covers this team, I can't imagine you're more excited for anything other than the Ohio State versus Michigan punter battle between Brad Robbins and Drew Chrisman coming up and and Robbins being a guy they they spent the draft pick on and Chrisman's noted inconsistencies both last year and and in training camp last year as well I mean it feels like Robbins is going to be the leader in the clubhouse going into this right the only thing more exciting than the Ohio State Michigan punting battle is the Ohio State versus Michigan holding battle um Drew Chrisman, people forget he, he's been here for, for two years, and since the day he stepped in the building after the 2021 draft, Darren Simmons has said we need to improve your mechanics to get you better hang time. Yeah. And there, there's been two years, like think of, I don't know, a, a major league pitcher who, who has been in the league for two years and has been trying to get that curveball down for two seasons, and there you are two years later and you're still not quite throwing it for strikes. Like at some point, maybe, you know, he, he has a big leg, but maybe that adjustment's not going to be there for Chrisman. They specifically targeted a guy in Robin who, Robbins who I love like his IQ and intangibles and the way he approaches punting to, it's funny, he used that analogy. He said, I very much treat this like I'm a, a pitcher. He says, I'm like a crafty lefty who uses deception and off-speed stuff. And the equivalent to that for him is hang time and strategy and approach and consistency. And he brings all that kind of stuff that puts you in the situation where you're not having the kind of kick that Chrisman did against the Chiefs. I won't have a chance to talk to you next week because I'm out, but uh, the schedule is going to be released next Thursday on the 11th. Uh, If you were a betting man, do you think the Bengals open up the season in Kansas City against the Chiefs on opening night? They should. I think it's the game of the year in the NFL, and it's the game that, you know, they typically have these extremely marquee matchups to start the season. Again, I can't think of two quarterbacks I'd rather see face off against each other. You got the Orlando Brown storyline. Mm-hmm. Anna Rumo still shut down Mahomes twice last season until, you know, that last drive uh, on the road in Kansas City in the playoffs. I think that's the matchup all the country can't wait to see. Uh, a lot of folks here in Cincinnati can't wait to see the young guys that are in Louisville for the Reds as we switch gears. Christian Encarnacion Strand last night hitting three home runs. Matt McClain hits for the cycle. These guys are tearing the cover off the baseball right now. I, I, my question is, when could we expect to see them at the big league level, and why not now? So first of all, like let's appreciate throwing Andrew Abbott, Ellie De La Cruz off to a bit of a slower start, but especially Abbott, Christian Encarnacion, Strand, Matt McClain. There aren't many guys in the majors right now younger than them, and the guys who are were like the number one prospect in baseball or the guy like Hunter Green who had these generational traits. Like What they are doing right now in AAA for guys, especially like Strand and Abbott, who weren't first-round picks, and McLean, who, when he was drafted, was pegged as a guy who didn't have the biggest ceiling in the world. It's what rebuilds are made of, and it's how rebuilds turn into contenders. Why not now? You know, you have the whole cliche, they're working on specific things, and we could talk about it for each of them. I am having a hard time thinking what Matt McLean has left to work on. The only thing he hasn't done is really accelerate and improve along with the grind of the season. 
over this long stretch. Like last year, he really hit the wall, and the Reds want to make sure he doesn't hit the wall this year in the middle of the season. But, you know, skills-wise, Encarnacion Strand needs to swing and miss less and improve his defense. Abbott's still trying to work on his changeup and get some more ways to get out without having to strike everybody out. But McLean, you know, I think he's getting pretty close to a finished product here without much left he has to work on. How much of the service time slash clock does does plays a role in this, do you think? Not at all. The Reds have a, a long track record of having that not impact their decision-making. And, you know, I've talked to Hunter Green and Jonathan India and Nick Lodolo about this. The Reds' front office has proven to them that that's not how they make these decisions because when mm-hmm. they've made those decisions, including them, you know, they've done what's best for the team. And I will say this, though, like, the Reds aren't going to call up Matt McClain because – you know, Matt McClain is one of the best 13 players in the Reds organization right now, and he would help the big league ball club right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to do what's best for McClain. They want to maximize his career, his potential, and his development track. So those are kind of two separate things going on. Okay. But I do think, you know, th- this summer, sooner rather than later, what's best for McClain will be being in the big leagues with the Reds. How much of this is also dependent on Jose Barrero? What do you see the next, you know, six months like for Jose Barrero? Jose Barrero has not taken advantage of the opportunity he's had right now. Um, David Bell said at the start of the season, his time is now. This is, you know, they rushed him to the big league. This is the time when he's supposed to be here. He's healthy. He's improved at the plate, but he's still not an impact offensive guy. And the most concerning thing with him is these defensive mistakes. You know, he'll run to try to tag a guy out of third instead of making the easy throw to first. He'll Mm -hmm. get picked off. He had the pitch clock violation with the – huge bases loaded at bat with two outs in the eighth last week. Like he just has moments like that, which, you know, your shortstop, that's your quarterback of the defense. Like you you can't have those moments from him and he's still developing there. And I do think that, you know, if I were betting on who the red shortstop of the future is going to be, the odds on Barrero have probably dropped. The odds of McLean have risen. And then of course, Ellie De La Cruz, we'll see what position he sticks at. That's a fun conversation, but of course he's, (laughs) Probably the, the centerpiece of you know the, the Reds and what they're building around. Absolutely. Talking to Charlie Goldsmith, covers the Reds, covers the Bengals for Cincinnati.com. Joining us as, uh, as he usually does on Friday, very generous with his time. Uh, is there any sort of uh, Joey Votto update? This feels kind of strange to me, everything that's happening. I'll try to get one today. Hope to talk to Votto sometime this weekend. He is here in Cincinnati rehabbing and working out on his own. And there's not a lot you can do, especially when the Reds are on the road in that situation. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is at this point. Votto's rehabbing on his own. He's still not at the point where he can go back out on a rehab assignment. David Bell said it's an 8- to 12-month injury, and I think he's a month like nine right now. He tried to rush back. That didn't work. Now he's making sure he's at full strength when he is back. And just the reality is, is that's not now. And Votto doesn't feel like he can be a, a real impact player at the level he's used to playing at now. So this is taking, to be honest, a lot longer than everyone expected. Yeah. Again, Votto was the hardest worker probably in the entire Reds organization. I've seen Votto since the first day of spring training, quite literally getting in more reps and swings than everyone in the Reds organization. Mm-hmm. And he's really trying to get that range of motion back in his shoulder, just not there yet. And that leads uh, to a tough reality for the Reds to where they're missing their best power hitter at a time where they really need some power. Speaking of a lack of power, let's talk about Tyler Stevens. And I was thinking the other day is, you know, there's a guy like Nick Senzel who has had this resurgence at the plate lately. He's been 
arguably their best infield defender. He's played center field. He played a corner outfield spot. He's played second base. He's been at third base. I, I wonder if something like that for Nick Senzel is almost fun, to be able to to play baseball like you were when you were a kid again and you're playing all different positions, and, and that could maybe translate to the plate. And I wonder if, if the opposite could be happening with, happening with Tyler Stevenson. One day he's DHing, one day he's catching, next day he's playing first base. I, I don't know really where to point to, but it feels like Tyler Stevenson – while he's he's still getting on base, it just feels like something's missing from his game right now. What do you pick up on uh, with Stevenson? I agree. This hasn't been the same all-star Tyler Stevenson that we saw last year on either side of the plate. I don't think those two things are connected. Like, okay. look at Tyler Stevenson's history as a player. Stevenson's history as a player. I'm going to steal this quote from David Bell talking about Stevenson. He says Stevenson is the last guy he worries about with that kind of stuff. Because look at his track record. 2020, it's COVID. It's the weirdest year ever. They call him up to be a pitch hitter, and his first at bat, he hits a home run. And then in September, literally during the last week of the season, they call him up to be their DH, and he provides a punch in the offense. And then in 2021, he's a backup, then he's a first baseman. They're having him pinch hit in the biggest situations, coming in cold off the bench, and he thrives. He has a long history of not being impacted by the moving around and the unfrequent schedule and the variety and everything you're talking about. He's hit a lot more singles than I think everyone thought he would. That same pull power hasn't been there. He hasn't had those same types of swings. And to be honest, I think he'll be fine at the plate. The bigger thing I'm noticing right now is framing and blocking weren't at the level or aren't at the level they were at last season. I know he's working really hard on that, but, you know, coming back from missing so much time last year, maybe he hasn't gotten his rhythm quite back. That's going to be something that'll be really important to track down the stretch, you know, for the rest of the season as, you know, the Tyler Stevenson plan continues to evolve. Uh, Charlie Goldsmith joining us, very generous with his time. Charlie, coming up on Saturday, it is uh, Johnny Bench Funko Pop Night. Funko Pops are very popular uh, little pieces of memorabilia, I guess you could say, and, and I know people that collect them vehemently. Uh, do you collect anything like Funko Pops? When I was a kid, I collected signed baseballs. So okay. I was the kid who had a baseball and got you know the random player from the uh, – Diamondbacks' autograph <laughs> in my childhood bedroom. I have, a, I have a bunch of signed baseballs, which I think is pretty cool. Which which one is the which one is the most impressive signed baseball that you have? One of them. It's a great question. Um, I Bryce Harper's autograph. Okay. I think that's the most impressive. Okay, there we go. That works. Will you be getting your hands on a Funko Pop this weekend? Will you? Is there like a black no, market I, that I you're involved so. in? So uh, my, uh, you know, the media. I think if we wanted to, we could ask, and they'd. Sometimes they hand them out to us. Sometimes we can ask for one. But a Funko Pop, maybe not quite at the top of my list, but hopefully uh, hopefully the people enjoy them. All right, Charlie, thank you so much. What's the best way for uh, for people to follow along with what you have going on? Let me just say real quick, shout out to the Zebra, and uh, best of luck with your future endeavors. Yeah, absolutely. Zebra? And I'm a, thank you, I'm a thank you so much, Charlie. <laughs> Best of luck, man. <laughs> Charlie Goldsmith, Cincinnati.com. Charlie G underscore underscore. Charlie, thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys. That is uh, Charlie Goldsmith. Uh, he's the best. You know, talking about collecting things, Johnny Bench Funko Pop. My uncle has this unbelievable Johnny Bench collection. Like, they've written articles in the paper about his his Johnny Bench collection. Um, 
And it's like if you ever see it, it's borderline shrine. It's close to it's it's insanely impressive. Like this is his favorite athlete ever. He spent his whole life collecting Johnny Bench stuff. And so he's he's coming down this weekend for the Johnny Bench Funko Pop. And he had a couple of extra tickets. I'm going to be out of town and he asked me to go blah blah blah. But you know, he's the type of person. I don't know if he's going to do this, but he's the type of person that he has three tickets to the game. He will walk in get his Funko Pop, walk out, put it in his car, come back, get the second one, and do it all over again. And I just wonder if, I mean, Zebra, do you collect anything? Would you ever do anything like that? I used to collect bobbleheads. Okay, I I did too. I have probably 200 bobbleheads. But this is a story I haven't told, if I'm allowed to, real quick. Yeah, please. So I used to collect bobbleheads. I I want to say I probably had 50 of them. Mm -hmm. Freshman year of high school, I tried out for the soccer team. Yes. I was cut from the soccer team because I was too short. Okay. I was I was a goalie. They cut me because I was too short. Okay. When I got home, mm. I went to the bobblehead collection. I ripped off every single head of the bobbleheads and I threw them all away. Because you were so mad. Because I was angry. Really? So now I don't even collect. I don't collect anything. But I used to have huh. a ton of bobbleheads before I ripped them all off. Ripped all the heads off. So I had this. So I grew up for a short period of my life in Finley, Ohio. Which is where Ben Roethlisberger is from. Yes. And Ben and I crossed paths a few times back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, and so when he got drafted, there was a, a huge now fan base of Steeler fans in, in Finley. And to the point where at one point I was the recipient of a Ben Roethlisberger Steelers bobblehead. Oh. And I had this thing forever. Up until probably three, four years ago, five years ago. Uh, and it was always just kind of in a box somewhere and just like, but it, it became bad juju for us, like with my friend group and everything. Yeah. And so I gave it to my cousins to destroy it. And they have a video <laughs> of them just pummeling this thing to pieces. Uh, but I had a Ben Roth. This, this is bad to admit. I had a Ben Roethlisberger jersey. Oh, no. And, and at, oh, the my time, God. at the time, I was 10 years old. So not even, I was eight years old, 10 years old. So like, I didn't understand fully at the time yet, like what was happening. And I blame my parents and my dad might be listening. I blame him for even allowing that into our home. But you also have to remember that at the time I was born in 95 up until 04, when he was drafted, the Bengals were garbage. Very bad. And so it wasn't like it was this intense rivalry really until 03, 04, 05 and so on. Uh, but yeah, I, I can relate to you in terms of destroying a bobblehead. There we go. Um, and it was kind of out of anger because of the Bengals and the Steelers. We've gone far too late on this segment. We've got talkbacks when we come back. Cincy 360 ESPN 1530. Cincy 360 carries on on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati sports station. It's that time for talkbacks. Press the microphone and record your message. For Austin and Tome, please keep it clean and don't be mean. Add a sprinkle, sprinkle, drip, drip. It's that time for talkbacks. It's our favorite part of Cincy 360. Austin, yeah. buddy, play that talkback on your screen and please try not to sabotage it. Mm-hmm. There's been All a right. lot of accusations of you sabotaging these, by the way. No, I have never once sabotaged. I'm very upfront. <laughs> I am very open about the way that I decide to do talkbacks, and people are aware of that. So, right. 
Uh, it falls on you today, and uh, you know how to do this, so lead us off. If I don't hear Austin Elmore's little breaking news jingle telling me the Reds have called up Says and McLean by 3 p.m. today, I'm going to flip my stuff. Okay, I appreciate that. He threw me off, but he said Says. Yeah. For Christian Encarnacion Strand. That's correct, yeah. I like that, though. Says. I like Says. Like, what's I up, like Says? I like All Says. Right. Uh, we're rooting for that. I think everybody is. Hey, guys. It's your favorite sales rep calling from the tunnel. I thought with all your connections in the sports world, you may have some cell phone numbers to some SEC baseball coaches. <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. Now, you are the resident gambler uh, yes. on the show today. Tony's not here. Moe's not here. Chad Brendel doesn't gamble. You are producing Chad's show as well. You are the number one gambler on ESPN fifteen thirty today. Thank you. Wow. Uh, I don't know if it's a compliment, but no, I'll, t- uh, I'll certainly take it as one. Do you have anything to say about your connection to Brian Bohannon, the now ex Alabama ba- uh, baseball coach? I have no. I have no comments at this time. Okay. All I can say. All I can. I have no comments. But here's my comment. Okay. I have won a bet betting on Alabama baseball. Okay. So now you you understand you're being tracked now. I'm implicated. Yes. yes. This is a series that I, I didn't want to say. I have no comments, but that was my comment. Did you at any point prior to pra- placing that bet communicate with Brian Bohannon? No. Okay. No. Did you place? Not that the, I can remember. Did you place? <laughs> did you place the bet at the BetMGM Sportsbook at Great American Ballpark? I did not. Have you or anyone you know in the last 24 hours been in contact with Peter Edward Rose? Hmm. I can't verify that. Right. I can't verify that. Next talk back. Otter Zebes. <laughs> What's up, fellas? Craig from the U. What's up, Craig? Happy hey, Friday. Craig. Hey, Craig. Hey, uh, just curious on uh, it might be hitting my first Reds game this weekend. and There we go. Just curious on what the old can't-miss uh, new food item would be that I need to try this weekend up there at the old ballpark. Also, Zebes. Yes. Good luck on the new gig, bro. Go Thank kill you. it. Have Thank a good you. weekend, boys. Thank you, Craig. I recommend a hot dog. Careful with uh, wishing Zebra well. Um, no, I'm kidding. Why? I'm just Why kidding. are you so I'm, mean to I'm me? I'm kidding. You're I'm so not, mean to me. I'm Austin comes mean. in this morning, and he's just mean to me. No, I asked him to do some work, and he didn't like it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what the, the big thing would be. I know there's the Skyline Nachos. I haven't had those yet. Hot dog. I Yeah, as I say, I always get the same thing. I always get a hot dog. Um, It'll run you up forty five dollars. I love, you can get one. I don't know if Frybox has anything new this year, uh, but I'm gonna say Skyline Nachos. Frybox and will I, run you up ninety eight dollars. And listen, it's the ballpark, dude. <laughs> I hope that one day there is a a foot long Skyline cheese coney at the ballpark. Yeah, that's what I want. Now, do you do the Sky Rosa? No, I've never done it. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to it. I would do it. I just haven't under the right circumstances for sure. That's that Spon- guy, that's SpongeBob. That, I, I know who it is. Does that guy call it, or does that guy do that every day? Not every day, uh, but he, you know, I'll give him credit. He does it just enough to where it's impactful. <laughs> um, I actually was watching a video last night of you know how AI is now taking over. Yeah, this person, th- there's now AI that is creating full songs as artists. Yes. And so I, I heard one last night that is SpongeBob SquarePants singing a, a, 
a cover of Last Night by Morgan Wallen. <laughs> and it's fantastic. So for those of you out there that dabble in AI, and I know there's some of you in talkbacks that do, might be something to uh, to bring to the table in the talkback realm. This is God from the then. Hello, ding, ding. Lord. I don't know where the ding With is. So the ding. Friday message. Today, the sunshine is showing you a new chance to achieve your cherished dream. Grab the chance, work hard, and follow your dream. El Gerberino and El Zibarino. <laughs> Thank you, God. Felt like you needed that word today. I did. I did. That was good. I like God. God's my favorite talk. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Lord. <laughs> Hola, este el presidente del Tocobacos, el Ronaldo Regano. Nice. And, well, uh, no tengo dinero. Mucho gusto. Uh, a mi, uh, hace caliente, uh, fuego, si. uh, mucha dinero. See, si. I didn't understand that. Yeah, he said this is a talkback president, Ronald Reagan, and then I don't know much of what else. Okay. All right. Thanks, Prez. Mole? Zebra just say mole? <laughs> it's mole. Come on. On the article I read, it yeah. was there wasn't a little accent over the E. It just <laughs> said mole. Okay. How am I supposed to know that? Well, maybe the context clues of you're talking about Hispanic food. All right, guy. Austin Zeebs, George from the Valley, dumping him on this beautiful Cinco de Mayo Friday. And that uh, Sessa thing, so he came back early from the World Baseball Classic because he wanted to be a starter. Terrible idea because he's not a starter. He's terrible. Um, I, I wouldn't care if I never saw him pitch another day in his life. Now, um, Austin, that, that that run on the tacos, I mean, I listen, I must have missed this. That run on the tacos is pretty impressive. Yeah, thank you. Uh, go Revs this weekend, who day? With that many tacos, right. you would have had to have visited a doctor. No, no, no. And I would say probably ninety-five percent of the tacos were homemade. Okay. I had chicken. I had beef. I had ground turkey. I had fish. I had steak. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Yes. Yes. See. See. Happy Cinco de Mayo, Zeeps! <laughs> All right. Shout out. Yes. To Judge Judy. What? R.I.P. to the four horses. <laughs> okay. Scared. I was wondering if somebody can explain to me what's the deal with the Joker and the Thief? NBA games, NHL games, Major League Baseball games, NFL games, Premier League games. It seems like that song is played at every single sporting event on every continent in the entire world. What, what's, Why? What song is this? The it's not a good song. Thief? It's not an interesting song. It has nothing to do with sports. W what are we doing? Can you can you pull it up real quick? Do you have it? Yep, hold on. Because I, I don't recognize the name of the song. That's not saying much because I don't know anything about music. Um. So I'm never really sure this is the song. Yeah. This is a phenomenal song. Now this was, this sounds like early 2000s. Okay, so I've heard this before. 
I feel like I don't hear it at sporting events that much. Or no, they play. On, he's on right. TV. He, no, he's right. They play it everywhere. But okay. it is. It's such a good song that yeah, I, I mean, I don't it sounds care. like a good song. Okay. Gina from Oregonia. What's up, Gina? I think everybody's just going to have to sit tight until Joe Burrow's contract is settled, uh, and then you will think with Mixon and Higgins, and then we'll we'll be taken care of as well. Uh, and then the boys from Louisville, bring them on up, because you know when you talk about injury, I'd hate to have them injured down in Louisville. So bring them on up. Cinco de Mayo, give me a margarita on the rocks, top shelf. There we go. No oh. salt. Damn. There we go. Uh... Okay, I, I I would really like the Burrow thing to be done by now, just to get everything else moving. Yep. Uh, as somebody who needs things to talk about between now and September, uh, August, I would be cool if he did it, I don't know, mid-June. That's cool. Uh, Mixon's not going to be back moving forward. I think Tyler Boyd's going to be gone. And those guys could are just as likely to get hurt in Major League Baseball as they are in AAA. So. But thank you for the call. Hey, Austin, Marcus from the Grove. What's up, Marcus? Happy Revenge of the Fifth Day, little post May the 4th. Wow. Um, I think the (laughs) issue with Joe Mixon is not him as a player being on the team because obviously he's still a great player. The $12 is, I think, what's got people scratching their head. Like, can we still get him for a restructure? But is there any other moves that you're expecting the Bengals to make between now and training camp? I expect them to sign a tight end at some point. Um, maybe not. That might not happen before training camp. At the moment, I would say, let me pull up my, uh, I'm like Charlie. I have a Bengals roster. Yeah. Like in my sheets. At all times? Yes. You should print I, one out, I, put I it up, in your pocket, I keep it in your wallet. It. I update it all the time. Um, at the moment, I don't see them making any other moves. I wouldn't. I wouldn't guess unless maybe there's a veteran, um, veteran uh, defensive end or somebody like maybe a veteran linebacker. But I don't see it happening. Hey, Austin and Elliot, happy Friday to you, Jeff from New Richmond. Hello, Jeff. Uh, Elliot, just want to wish you the very best of luck with your new career. Thank you. Um, oh, well, thank you. All right, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. How did Charlie Goldsmith become the greatest of all time in Cincinnati sports reporting in such a short period of time? It's true, he did. Every time I listen to him, you know, on a sports station, the guy's intelligent. He has the facts to back things up. He's got great ideas. I, I really can't think of anybody in the history of Cincinnati sports reporting that's better than him. I'm going to take full credit for it because I think <laughs> I think we were the first first show to have him on regularly. Yeah. And now he's all over the country. Uh, but, no, in all seriousness, Charlie works his ass off. Like, he works his ass off all the time. Uh, and so he's absolutely – you're absolutely right. He's deserving of those kind words. And uh, we appreciate that he uh, he gives us so much of his time. Yeah, the Joey Vada thing's oh strange. I, I thought he had been up by now for sure. I think the Reds are a good bet tonight. You can't say that too often. <laughs> Ken from the Lex, we need hooves on the ground talking to the horses. <laughs> Let us know why they're dying down there. This is piercing my ears. We're going to miss you, Elliot. You're, Thank you. You're the most famous zebra sports talk radio. Thank you. That's true. 
Thank you, Mr. Loud. That's true. Uh, you are the most famous zebra in Cincinnati sports talk radio history. There we go. Last five. Here we go. Finish uh, strong. Hold on. Hold Uh-oh. on. Uh, the the first thing there about uh, Ken and the Lex hooves on the ground. Actually, no. I was gonna say, have you have you announced what you're doing yet? On nope. the air? Nope. That'll okay. be that'll be coming soon. Okay. That okay. it has not. I have not done it for a reason. I okay. Tr- yeah. Uh, that's all. I'll Just say. making sure. Sorry for the double dip, Marcus from the Grove again. You know, Zeebs, it's a little disturbing, I gotta say, about uh, the uh, yanking the heads off the things, because, you know, there's a lot of Netflix documentaries of psychopaths that start with that, so maybe Slick Willie can get you in touch with Dr. Schwartz, and you can get that stuff figured out. He definitely needs Dr. Schwartz. very scary and disturbing. Yeah, my mom wasn't thrilled. My mom wasn't thrilled. Did, when you, I, did they send you away to a... No, but okay. it was it was, cer- it was certainly like a a, a jaw dropping moment. Is there. that why you hate soccer now? Because you refuse to be correct. in the room for the Tommy G. Interview. That's correct. It's correct. Okay, I don't like. I, I can't watch it any longer. Okay. Happy Cinco de Mayo, fellas! I just wanted to say, Gracias. Austin, you're doing a great job without Tony being there today. And, I agree. Uh, Zebra, good luck with uh, your future endeavors, and uh, thank you. I enjoyed you when you were on the show. Thank you so Have much, a good weekend, fellas. God bless. Thank you. Hey, guys, do you think DraftKings would consider adding this to the app, phone a coach? <laughs> that's that's one of our coworkers who thinks he is the funniest human being on that the earth. Was, well, that one but was good. that was very funny. That was good. That was a great one. How, do I, am I, should I know who that was? Yeah. How do I not know who that is? I mean, you can see his name when you click on the thing. but Well, I won't do that. Okay. Shop, shut up. Strong safety out of Western Hills, Hills High School. School. I woke, woke up feeling the cheesiest coat. <laughs> Thank you. All right, final three. Here we go. Hey, guys. Beautiful day. It's going to be a great weekend for sports. Zebra, good luck in your new job. Thank you. Remember, don't burn any bridges, but you can't ignore some people. It's too bad. <laughs> it's over. Audi. Anyway, um, have a great weekend, and uh, I'm picking Tony's horse to win in the Derby. So I think that was uh, tap it thrice. Cap, yeah. yeah, tap okay. it thrice. There. Yeah. T- have a good weekend, guys. Thank you. This is, I'm 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 about start ready to tear up. Here. You're about to start. You're about to come back. <laughs> hey, Peppy Patty here, and apparently I missed it. Although I tried to find it, but Elliot, I did not hear your news. Yes. But it sounds like you're leaving, which makes me super sad for selfish reasons because I love you. I love you, Peppy Patty. Best of luck in whatever you're doing. So, okay, guys, everybody have a great weekend. Love you, Peppy Patty. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Brian Ford Thomas. Hey, Brian. My, my belief with Mixit is that I think they've already got something in place. They know what they're going to do, both sides. I don't see him in the building without – some sort of understanding thoughts so long happy friday that's kind of vague there i don't think at the moment that he's not i could see a restructure at the moment i just i think it'll just continue as is any more zeb that's it that was it i'm gonna put it on you now to catch us up correctly since we're so far off the clock okay this is cincy 360 i'm austin elmore he's elliot the zebra rearing this is cinco de mayo as well On the home of the Bengals, ESPN 1530.
Hey, it's Mo Egger for Bath R Us. You know, springtime's a great time to make upgrades to your home. If you've been thinking about upgrading your bathroom, you've got to call Bath R Us. These guys are the bathroom experts, offering complete bath and shower remodeling services, and their work is guaranteed. Call today to schedule a free in-home estimate to get $1,000 off, plus low-to-no monthly payments. Call 513-506. Lender, NMLS 1661781, subject to lender approval. Cincy 360 continues on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Hola, mi amigos. Welcome back. Cincy 360 ESPN 1530. I'm Austin Elmore with mi amigo Zivara. Hola. Hola. Cinco de Mayo 2023 on ESPN 1530. Uh, Sneaking up on hour number three, final hour of the show, Tommy G, Tommy Galerter of FC Cincinnati going to talk to us about the match coming up tomorrow night at TQL Stadium. We'll also recap what happened last weekend. And uh, last week, we didn't get a chance to talk to Tommy, so we'll talk with him about that. Chad Brendel in for Mo Egger this afternoon. He'll stop by for quick hits and locks of the night. We'll take your phone calls in hour three after Tommy G as well, 513-749-1530. You can tweet at me at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E, as well, along with uh, a couple of thoughts and uh, conversations about maybe what the Bengals are doing at tight end and uh, how could that potentially affect what happens with T. Higgins as well? So a lot, obviously, to uh, to talk back coming up in the show. But as we do, uh, Cinco de Mayo Fun Facts is uh, what we've been doing. Elliot decided to end the music, and I hope that's because this is a very important fun fact about Cinco de Mayo. Z, what do you got? This is very important. This th- It's honestly not even fun, but it is fun okay. because every fun fact is fun. Okay. Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day are not the same thing. Okay. G- given that it's a popular misconception, allow us to leave you with this. I'm reading the article. You're literally reading <laughs> off of a website. I didn't think it would be a script like that. Okay. That was my bad. Many in the U.S. have never uh, been You're taught. A bright the, guy. Have never been taught the history. Whatever company that gets was you is really getting that, the bright ha- one. You know what? Hand up. <laughs> it takes a big man to admit a mistake. Yeah. I am that big man. Thank Let me you. continue. Please. Many in the U.S. have never been taught the history of Soccer Mexico. Team didn't think so. <laughs> they confuse the uh, Dia de la uh, Independence Day or L16 de September, which occurred in 1810 with Cinco de Mayo. Okay. The Mexican independence was a declaration of war against the Spanish colonial government oh, in 1810. No. So in September is their Independence Day? If I, yes. Okay. I believe September is September. Okay. I think you're going a little far there. Uh, okay. So September is their Independence Day. Today is about, is an American holiday celebrating Mexican-American heritage. Yes. Okay, so I've learned that. Uh, I hope that others have learned that as well, and uh, I hope that you uh, celebrate appropriately and uh, thoughtfully, and I'll be doing so this evening. Actually, during the commercial break, I got a a text, a video sent uh, to our group chat of a massive vat of guacamole Ooh. that has been prepared for this evening. Ooh. Uh, so we're going to be doing that, and I'm I'm told there's a margarita machine that's happening as well. Oh, my God. Do you like so, the frozen margaritas? I like them all. I like margaritas okay. in any shape and form. I'm a big tequila guy. Uh, so, yeah. 
you know, The Rock and I are very similar looking in our build and the way we talk. And <laughs> yeah, uh, he has a, a. You're both bald. But yeah. Correct. Yeah, and uh, he has a, a, a tequila out. Have you ever had it? A what? A tequila, a tequila? out? No. It's well, it's, it, he released a tequila. Is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. There's like three or four different brands. It's phenomenal. Best tequila I've ever had in my life. Really? No, I've yeah. not had that. So. There we go. There's a free plug to the rocks to keep tequila people. All right, uh, we're out of time. Tommy G, I'm sure he's listening right now thinking, what am I getting myself into? Uh, he joins us next on uh, hour number three of Cincy 360 on the home of the Bengals, ESPN 1530. Welcome back. Hour number three, Cincy 360, ESPN 1530. Austin Elmore in for Tony Pike today. Tony Pike allegedly back on Monday. We'll see if that actually happens. In the meantime, we're going to do what we uh, we normally do on Fridays, which is get our football fixed by talking to the voice of the orange and blue, Tommy G. Tom Gallerter joins us now. Tommy, thanks for being here. How are you on this uh, beautiful Friday? Austin, I'm doing great. How are you? Tony gets vacation? Uh, allegedly. We'll see. I think allegedly. he, yeah, okay. I, I think it's all sick days and uh, stuff like that. Well, uh, he he's actually in Carolina. He says he's trying out for the Panthers as a backup, but I don't think that's what's happening. Uh, hasn't hasn't he already done that? It didn't go. It did know, not go uh, well. Good. You know what? Good for him. Good for him. And I'm happy to be here. With, and I appreciate you keeping the tradition moving forward. Absolutely, we're happy you're here. Uh, let's go. Since we didn't get the chance to talk la- last week, let's rewind. Uh, take us back yeah. the U.S. Open Cup against Louisville, and then the one versus two in the Eastern Conference matchup against New England yeah. and Foxborough. What did you learn, or I guess what was your biggest takeaway uh, in terms of FC Cincinnati from those two matches? Well, uh, you know, I think I liked what Pat Noonan said during the week that that he really liked that his team won two games, and and I'm going back to that home game against Portland and then the Open Cup, and he said we won two games that we used every man on our first-team roster to mm. win two games. And I, I think there's something certainly in that, and, and it gave Cincinnati the ability to rest guys and have them fresh. It's in the Open Cup, so that's great. So they'll have a match this Wednesday uh, at home against New York City. And, and then you go to New England and have a match that's probably what most people thought it would be, you know, opportunities at both ends, uh, a draw between the two teams with the best record in major league soccer and a bit of frustration at times because people thought <laughs> that FC Cincinnati had opportunity to win or should have had opportunity to win with a penalty kick. And, you know, pro referees has since acknowledged as much that it should have been a penalty kick and the match official uh, upon review was the only one apparently who thought otherwise, but <laughs> look, uh, you know, Pat pointed that out, but he also said, that's not why we didn't win the game. You know, there were still chances there. Nick Haglund had a chance late. Of course, Lucho's penalty kick in the first half was saved. Uh, really a, a great save by, by Georgie Petrovic. So I think it was a pretty fair result. I think it was a pretty fair game. And you know what's exciting is July 1st, these two get to do it again. And I don't know if they'll be number one and two in Major League Soccer at the time, but I, I guarantee you they're both going to have good records by yeah. then. And, and it'll be another big-time matchup when they meet at TQL Stadium, and, they, and that's the key there, right? Then it'll be in the Fortress. So, <laughs> uh, I think, look, you get out of the road game with a draw, you got a result, there's nothing to be ashamed of against a really good team on on seemingly kind of a crummy night when it was cold and rainy and right. everything else. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The the rain played a major <laughs> factor in the, in the second half, certainly later in the game. Uh, do you feel like those are the two best teams, New England and Cincinnati, in the Eastern Conference? Who else could challenge yeah, them as it goes? I mean, Atlanta has been really good, mm-hmm. and I think that they've proven to be one of the best teams, and, and I think Philadelphia will get there. Uh, 
and, and be in the mix. I think those will probably be the top four teams in the East. And it'll probably be a battle till the end. Uh, FC Cincinnati will see Atlanta right on the, at the end of the season on decision day. So, I mean, imagine what that, that battle could be for sure. a, a seed, for the one seed, you know what I mean, for, for the supporter seal maybe. <laughs> but at, Atlanta is really good, and I think we'll, we'll still be right there competing all year long. You know, they're certainly back um, as a team that's competitive after two years of, of struggling. And Philadelphia – put a lot of emphasis on CONCACAF Champions League to start the year, rightfully so, lost in the semifinals to LAFC. And so now they're getting back to, okay, we're in Major League Soccer season, and they need to take care of that. So they will be a, a, a force to be reckoned with because we all know that Philadelphia is very, very good. You mentioned the U.S. Open Cup. For those who may not understand, first of all, this a couple of years ago is how FC Cincinnati really started uh, to make a name for themselves. Yeah. They take down Louisville City. They have another match coming up uh, this coming week against New York City. Kind of explain what the, the path would look like for FC Cincinnati moving forward with the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, so this is the round of 32 on Wednesday against New York City. So they'll see an MLS team, of course, Everybody remembers six years ago and, and the great run when FC Cincinnati was in the third tier of American soccer mm-hmm. and made it all the way to the semifinals and had New York on the ropes. I mean, really a chance to make it to the final. We all thought that's where they were headed, and I said as much on the broadcast and gave them the little jinxaroo, uh, <laughs> you know, with 15 minutes left. But but what's beauty, but the beauty of it is that it's all the teams in America competing to win this U.S. Open Cup, right? So a, a team from a lower tier certainly can win. FC Cincinnati knocked off a lower tier team. Now they're going to meet a team from the same tier. I haven't gone through and counted of the 32 teams left how many are, are not from Major League Soccer, but obviously there are some left because there are now 32 Major League Soccer teams. So, mm-hmm. and, and a couple were knocked out. So, you know, some teams will prioritize it, and, and there's a big prize at the end financially. Uh, you also get a bid in the Champions League. So there's a couple layers of, yeah. you know, incentives to get there. But you also have to look at it and say, okay, when do you start your regulars? You know what I mean? And, and maybe sacrifice the league game to advance. Right. Um, but, look, regardless of who FC Cincinnati puts out um, on Wednesday, it's a great opportunity. The tickets are discounted. You can get first financial club seats for, I think, they're $20 or so. Oh, wow. uh, there's discounted concessions. And, and you go have a great experience. And people did that for Louisville City. And they expect that this Wednesday people will do that again. Undeniably so. Talking with Tommy G, the voice of FC Cincinnati. Uh, let's fast forward to this weekend, hosting yeah. DC United. FC Cincinnati undefeated still at home. What do we know about uh, this DC United side that's going to be coming into TQL Stadium this weekend? How does FC Cincinnati match up with them? Well, they're, they're all of a sudden red hot. Uh, a team that had a miserable season last year. If you remember, FC Cincinnati beat them 5-2 on decision day when they clinched that playoff spot October 9th of the, of last season. And they kind of limped out of the gate this year and were really struggling. And now they've won four across all competitions, including an Open Cup match in there. But they've won three straight league games by a combined score of 7-1. Wow. And they thumped Charlotte last week 3-0. So they come in with a load of confidence. And they have a player in Christian Benteke, who, who people who maybe don't follow the sport globally wouldn't know, but – um, you know, a Belgium uh, in, uh, international player, great experience with the Belgian national team, uh, was with Crystal Palace. He actually signed Crystal Palace right about the time that they came to Cincinnati in 2016. Mm. So this is a, he was with Aston Villa, like big, big time international experience on Christian Benteke. Last year he came in and, and it took him a little bit to get his footing. Well, he has five goals this year in 10 games. So I think he's <laughs> found his footing. Um, 
look, it, it, it's one of those world-class players I think people should be excited to see, but hope he doesn't score at TQL Stadium. Sure. And, and FC Cincinnati has been really good at home this year, so I expect they'll feed off the energy of the crowd. I mean, look, the forecast is outstanding. Yeah. Um, I haven't checked with the ticket staff yet today. I'd imagine it's very, very close to a sellout and will be an announced pre-sellout, you know, before kick, which would be the fifth sellout in six home regular season matches this year, which is wildly impressive. But the weather's going to be fantastic for the first mm-hmm. time this year. They've sold out four or five home games <laughs> with with really crummy weather. Yeah. So, you know, the weather's going to be nice. The team's hot. The team has won all five of those regular season games. Not just undefeated at home, but they've won all five. And and they're really rolling in a good way. So I think there'll be a ton of energy in the house. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be a good matchup because, again, D.C. Uh, is playing well, but they have a few guys out due to injury. So there's a couple question marks as to what Wayne Rooney would do. And you get a guy like Wayne Rooney as a coach. Yeah. So you get to come and, and, and jeer a legend uh, coaching the other team. So – it should be a really fun night on, on a beautiful night when we finally don't have to bundle up in the broadcast booth. <laughs> yeah, I tell people all the time, for those who have, have never been to, to TQL Stadium and maybe are not necessarily intrigued by the thought of soccer, you get an entirely different understanding and appreciation of the game when you go, and especially at TQL Stadium in, in more of an intimate setting that is that is not a bad seat in the house and certainly with the weather oh. this weekend, uh, a perfect reason to, to get out. Um you know, over the course of a long season, like teams in, in MLS go through, they change quite a bit from start to finish. A perfect example being what FC Cincinnati was at the beginning of last year until the end. And, and now through the first couple months of this season, how do you see this team has changed? Have they kind of settled into who they are? Have they evolved very much? Uh, how would you describe the way they've changed over the first couple of months if they have? Well, I think they've evolved defensively, right? And that's that's the success at this point because they haven't scored goals in bunches like they did last year. Right. We haven't seen that offensive explosion. All six wins are by a single goal. So, you know, the reason that they're they're behind New England in the standings is because of the goal differential. Because mm-hmm. they haven't blown anybody out yet, and obviously they had a blowout loss uh, at St. Louis, so that hurts the goal differential. Uh, not that worried about the goal differential 10 games in. they got 24 games to fix that. And I think the offense will get right here. At some point, and when they do, watch out because the defense is so improved and doing so well this year that the team looks really good. And if you can improve defensively and keep doing what they did last year offensively, if they can get back to that pace, that goal-scoring pace, then they're going to be really hard to stop. And people are really going to be, you know, concerned when they're doing their scouting reports to face FC Cincinnati. And, look, there's no shame in winning by a goal. Uh, yeah. If they keep the pace at which they're doing and, and win these games – then the goal differential maybe won't matter at the end of the year. But uh, I, I think the, the defensive effort has been most impressive. They're the only team in the league that have not conceded a goal in the final half an hour, so that tells you something, wow. too, because anybody who's followed this team knows, especially those first three <laughs> years in Major League Soccer, uh, the last half hour wasn't really a good experience. So, you know, that's a, a big big stat. Props to the comm staff this week for uh, getting that in the notes because I hadn't caught that. So I yeah. uh, love, love that stat, and it's reflective of what this, this team has done as a defensive unit from a health standpoint right now, where exactly do they stand? Luciano Acosta was banged up a couple of weeks ago. He's yeah, he been did. able to fight through it. Uh, where exactly does FC Cincinnati stand in terms of the injury uh, front? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, right now, honestly, only two players out and only one of them is due to an injury. That's uh, Santiago Arias. Pat acknowledged this week that he will miss this weekend, but should be back in training with the first team group next week. So, that's usually a good sign. If you're training sure. with the first-team group, then you should be available for the match. 
could be available as soon as Wednesday for that Open Cup game against New York City. So maybe they try to get him in and get some minutes and see what he looks like and uh, then judge his availability to potentially start the match next. Uh, well, then they're off on the weekend, so they have a little bit of time after that. So they may try to get him into that match if they can. But uh, Santiago Arias is the only one that's out due to injury. And then uh, Kimi Ordonez has, has taken off to join the Guatemalan U-20 national team as they start to get ready for the U-20 World Cup. So he's not available. And assuming he's formally called into the team, he's been called to train with him. If he's called into the squad, then he's probably lost for the whole month of May. Sure. Uh, you you talked uh, briefly earlier about how they, they have not been able to score as many goals this year as they did last year. Uh, but one of the difference makers for this team compared to a year ago has been Sergio Santos. Now, Sergio went through a lot last yeah. year uh, coming over from Philadelphia and the injuries and so on and so forth. How, how much of a difference maker? Explain how much of a difference maker he has been to this team so far this season. Yeah, he's been really important and able to step in. His runners missed some time, obviously. So he's been great. He, he brings a ton of pace, and that's why they traded for him last year. And that's why they decided to pay him and bring him back this year. You know, his contract was up. So it wasn't guaranteed he was going to be back for this season when they traded for him last year. And, and, and you watch him in that pace that he has. And, you know, I go back to – and we've seen examples of it this year, but I always go back to that playoff match at New York last year when he, makes, he comes in off the bench and makes that run up the left side – and then delivers the ball to Brandon Vasquez for what ends up being the game-winning goal. And that's where he's so dangerous, and he can get behind guys. So when he gets behind you and, and, and someone can connect a pass, one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to set up a goal-scoring opportunity, or you're going to foul him and receive some type of punishment for that, yeah. right? Whether that results in a penalty kick or a booking or, or a red card if you're the final defender. You know, so he is creating these chaotic moments that are positive offensively for Cincinnati, and I think he partners really well with Brandon Vasquez. So he's benefited from that, and I think he's comfortable here and, and having a lot of fun. Great stuff from the voice of the Orange and Blue, Tom Gerlerter, Tommy G. Joining us, you will be able to hear him and the broadcast right here on ESPN 1530 coming up tomorrow night. Tommy, in the meantime, what's the best way for people to follow along with everything you have going on in your coverage of FC Cincinnati and more? Yeah, absolutely. You know, check me out on Twitter, Tommy underscore G. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at O3Gs. All right, fantastic. Tommy, thank you so much, man. Have fun this weekend. Yeah, always a pleasure, Austin. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. That is Tommy G, the voice of the orange and blue. Nobody does it better than him. Going to be an exciting weekend at TQL Stadium for sure. We will continue the conversation. Phone lines are open, 513-749-1530. You can tweet at me at Audielmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E as well. We'll be right back. This is Hour 3 of Cincy 360, brought to you by Cincy Shirts on ESPN 1530. 1530 Cinco de Mayo 2023. I'm Austin Elmore. With you until 3 o'clock. Thank you, Tommy G, for stopping by. Chad Brindle is in the building. He's in for Mo Egger this afternoon. We'll speak to him shortly. A couple minutes to uh, to kill between now and then. Zebra, Elliot Rearing, in one of his final shifts on ESPN 1530. My producer today and uh, providing us with Cinco de Mayo fun facts. And, uh, Zeb, we go to you now for another Cinco de Mayo fun fact. Oh, wow. Okay, so here's one. Okay. So they don't have a traditional. They don't have a traditional garb on Cinco de Mayo. There's not a who's a, they. They as in people. There's not okay. an. Uh, there's not an official, uh, traditional wardrobe. Okay. But it is traditional that 
everybody wears very bright clo- colors. Oh. So that is, the, that is, that is, that's a fun fact for you. Okay. I did not know that. So it's supposed to be bright and light and happy and fun. And, that's right. But I don't have to wear a sombrero. But, correct. There's okay. no, there's no traditional certain right. set thing. Fantastic. Okay. Well, uh, now we know. Uh, well, uh, phone lines are open. 513-749-1530. We'll take your phone calls. Uh, I was talking a little bit yesterday in the last half hour about the Bengals and the tight end position and uh, what what Warren Sharp tweeted out uh, about the Bengals and 12 personnel and how when they are in 12 personnel, they call pass plays 3% of the time. And so to me, that tells me, and 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, to me, that tells me the Bengals just simply do not value that formation, and in in uh, in the same grain, they don't don't value the the tight end position. Uh, maybe as much as people thought, because of the loss of Hayden Hurst. Even though Hayden Hurst really wasn't all that productive last year, he basically came in and did what C.J. Uzama did. And yeah, there's locker room. Uh, presence that plays a role, and, and Uzama was big on that as well. But they're, they they don't ask the tight end to go in and be this number one target. They don't ask him to be Kelsey or Waller or Gronk or Andrews. Instead, they ask him to catch a few passes here and there and, and be somebody that can help move the chains from time to time. There's no denying the Bengals' offense does need to be better, and I do think that they will be this year. But that stat was very revealing to me. And then the way that they handled the draft in not reaching for a tight end was also very revealing. And I found what Zach Taylor said to be really interesting. He was on with Solomon Wilcots, who has been on this station uh, several times before with Mo. Uh, He was on with Solomon in the Believe in Bengals podcast. And uh, Solomon asked him about the tight end position. Take a listen. I wanted to know, um, is tight end Er Smith Jr. better than the options that were on the draft board at the tight end position? Your thoughts? Yeah, we're, we're really excited about Irv. There were certainly some tight ends that, that we had some regard for. Um, that got that got picked off pretty soon. You know, yeah. it's, those first two we really liked. And, uh, you know, they went with the 26th pick probably and the 35th pick, I think, to Detroit. Those, yeah. those are two really good players that I think would have really helped us. But, um, but again, we're, we're happy to not to not reach and because we felt good about the group we had. Uh, with Drew Sample back in there, you know, playing the same roles he's played before and Devin Asiasi ascending. And uh, we got some other guys as well, Tanner Hudson, Nick Bowers. Um, and so we, we feel like that room can continue to grow. They've all been developing over the last year. And, uh, and adding Irv, I think, is a good replacement there for Hayden. So there you go. I mean, the Bengals were like, we have some guys that maybe would help us, but not necessarily to the point where we feel like we have to go and address this. We have to reach past maybe some of the other premium positions. That just tells me they don't view it as that big of a need. And maybe by the time the season rolls around, Irv Smith will stink and and none of it will matter. There's a very good possibility that that's the case. But there's a good possibility he catches 40 balls for 500 yards and four touchdowns, and he's just as much of a contributor as Hayden Hurst and C.J. Uzama were. And so I just feel like it's all being overblown on the exterior, and maybe that's starting to come down a little bit now with the draft being over and kind of moving on from that standpoint. But at the same time, I I don't see this team 
changing their offense. A team that was right above them last year, 4% of the time they would pass the ball out of 12 personnel was the Buffalo Bills. And Buffalo signed Dawson Knox to an extension, traded up to get Dalton Kincaid. That tells me Buffalo's changing their offense. They see the writing on the wall that they struggled too much last year. So they're going to change. I don't see the Bengals changing. The tight ends that he mentioned, Zach Taylor, was not Michael Mayer, who everyone talks about as a blocker. They were talking about Luke Musgrave and Dalton Kincaid, two of the more athletic tight ends in the game, because the Bengals are going to throw the football. And the way that they changed their running scheme last year, it doesn't necessarily create a need for a tight end with that ability to block. And if they do, they feel comfortable in Drew Sample being that guy. And I just find that to be interesting. And I wonder, does that have a trickle-down effect? And I talked to Charlie about this with a guy like T. Higgins because you're putting faith in your ability to build the offensive line. You're putting faith in your quarterback in Joe Burrow. You're going to have Jamar Chase here for a long period of time, and there are wide receivers all over the place in the NFL draft. So it then makes me wonder, would you consider not extending T. Higgins or trading T. Higgins because of that belief and because of the fact that he is going to take up $20 million a year and Burrow is going to take up $50 million a year and Chase is going to take up $20 million a year, does it trickle down to the point where you start to take away from the offense with T. Higgins? Because if you do that, guess what you then have to do? You have to make significant, significant changes to your defense. You cannot invest in much as your in as much as your defense. And I feel like it's much more difficult to hit on edge rushers and cornerbacks and linebackers in the draft than it is on pass catchers and running backs. Just like the Bengals have struggled to get offensive linemen that are effective in the NFL draft, I feel like it would be just as difficult on the defensive side of the ball. So to me, this all culminates in there is a lot, a lot of pressure on this team this year. When you look at the writing on the wall and the schedule that is, in my opinion, favorable to them and with the amount of talent that they have and with the contract extensions that are probably going to get done before the season and with the ones that are still looming in Higgins and Wilson and a Chase next year and so on and so forth, it feels like to me there is a considerable amount of pressure on this team this year to get it done and win the Super Bowl. Burrow says the window is his entire career, and I believe that. I really, truly do. But can the Bengals show that from a, the way that they structure contracts, can they show the creativity and the forward thinking needed to make that window of his entire career a possibility, to make that realistic. So just as much as the players on the field feel the pressure, so too does Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn and Troy Blackburn and Duke Tobin and Mike Potts and everybody involved in the personnel decision-making 
in that organization, and especially when it comes to working the cap and being creative. And if I'm a Bengals fan, that's the only thing that really concerns me. And it's difficult because you fall in love with these guys and you you appreciate them. And I'm a huge T. Higgins fan. I, I, I think he's just – I think he's cool as hell. And I think the way he's embraced the city and all the stuff that he's gone through. And he came in with Burrow and he was a part of that. And, and the, the plays he made in the Super Bowl, just a special place in Bengals history. Same with Von Bell. It sucks to see him go, man. But – that's kind of the unfortunate part of all of this when trying to build a sustained winner in the National Football League. But you look at teams like Kansas City. They figured out a way to do it, despite having Mahomes on a huge contract. So the blueprint is there. The possibility is there. And I just hope that the Bengals have the thought process, the forward thinking, and the ability from a cap standpoint to toe that line and make it work. We will uh, come back, we'll take your phone calls, and uh, we'll continue more on ESPN 1530. This is Cincy 360, brought to you by our friends at Cincy Shirts on the home of the Bengals, ESPN 1530. Um, All right, fantastic. We're learning stuff left and right on this uh, beautiful Cinco de Mayo 2020. It's gorgeous outside, by the way. 71 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. And uh, we're going to go south now to Lexington to speak with our friend Ken, who I would imagine, Ken, you're calling to be hooves on the ground and report the latest from the Kentucky Derby and the horse racing world. Hello, Ken. Hello, Austin. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you and uh, and Elliot. Likewise, uh, man. And a little FYI, it's Franklin Delano Roosevelt, oh. not Franklin Delano. And I wanted to get that in before President Reagan called in to <laughs> correct. You know, Sorry. he would know. That's my hand up. <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I hope that loud talkback guy is listening because I know the last couple of days he has asked me for a report mm-hmm. about those horses dying and at Churchill Downs. Well, I, I don't know any more than anyone else uh, that that isn't an insider there. And by the way, I'm in Lexington, which is like 75 miles. <laughs> yeah, I didn't Louisville, know. I didn't so. know if he knew that or not. <laughs> <laughs> my my hooves are here in Lexington, so <laughs> so loud talkback guy. I appreciate all the shout shout outs, but uh, really, dude, just look just look it up because I don't know much. Do you have a prediction for us for the Kentucky Derby? Are you going to be placing any wagers? Uh, well, I I will probably do a trifecta box, and I I'll definitely put uh, tap it trice in there, and I'll put. Uh, uh, for, uh, what's that favorite forte? Yeah, and I'll pick another, maybe a little long shot, uh, fifteen to one or twenty-one. I haven't decided yet, but I'm pretty sure Tappet Trice is going to uh, be a favorite. Now, with so. with your you know long and distinguished history at Keeneland and and being a horse racing mm-hmm. person that you are, what is Derby Day like for Ken and the Lex? Do you do you dress to the nines? Do you guys have a Derby party? <laughs> are there mint juleps? What are you guys doing? Uh, this is pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not much of a partier. Uh, we'll watch my wife and I will watch the Derby and, and, uh, but no, there's no parties or any of that. So. All right. Well, started, maybe there's, there's, there's plenty of time to, uh, to get to the liquor store, Ken. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got it. John, Johnny from my healthy can help you. More yes, there. he can. He can send you the, the recipe. Thanks for the call, Ken. Thank you. All right, you guys take care. Yep, that is uh, Ken from the Lex, who is not in Louisville, which uh, may be a little bit confusing geographically to some who 
Don't realize that Churchill Downs is actually located in Louisville. I was just going to let that ride for a little while, but uh, have you ever been to Churchill Downs? I know you're a Keeneland guy. Z. I do like Keeneland. I have never been to Churchill Downs, no. No, I, but I, hear, I haven't I, either. I hear it's. I hear very good things. Yeah, it's people say. I mean, there was the one time when Wes Welker was like high on some sort of drug, I think, and the infield is apparently pretty crazy. It's like the Indianapolis 500. It gets a little nuts in there. Yeah. Um, my favorite is that we get to see Randy Moss on TV, but not the former wide receiver, <laughs> the bald horse racing expert. Is it okay? Which one's the guy who's he brings up his sleeves, he wears a tie, and he goes over all the stats? You know who I'm talking about? No clue. He's got glasses. All oh, this guy's a it's, he's a horse racing staple. Sure. He comes on the TV. He's, sure. He wears glasses. Okay. A long sleeve collared shirt. I got nothing. Rolls for up you. this nothing. All right. No. Well, I try. I don't to know who that. Him. I don't know who that guy is. I try to describe him. I I don't pretend. You know. Mo Egger talks about this is that tri- that that trifecta time of the year where people pretend to know anything about the Masters and they pretend to know anything about horse racing and all this other stuff. I'm not one of those guys. I don't know anything about horse racing. I've never won I a single watch horse it. race. By I don't the way. consume it. Never won one. Uh, I I like to watch the Kentucky Derby, but I uh, I don't really. I'm not going to watch it tomorrow. I'm going to be busy. Why not? I'm going to a concert. Oh, that's yeah. probably more fun. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Speaking of fun, Chad Brindle is in the house. He is filling in for Moegger this afternoon. He joins us next for Quick Hits and Locks of the Night on Cinco de 360 on ESPN 1530. In 1530, Cincinnati's sports station. It's time for Cincy 360 Quick Hits on ESPN 1530. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back, Cincy 360 ESPN 1530. By the way, hour number three brought to you by our friends at Cincy Shirts, just like Locks of the Night is. This week only, today and tomorrow, Cincy Shirts will be at the Flying Pig Expo uh, slinging shirts at the Duke Energy Center. So go out there, get ready for the Flying Pig with Cincy Shirts. And also, if you're looking for a unique gift for mom, you can see the full line of Mother's Day-inspired shirts at cincyshirts.com. Plus, you can get any design printed on the spot at either location in Hyde Park or on Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell. Go check out our friends at Cincy Shirts. Pleasure to be joined now by Chad Brindle in for Moegger this afternoon, bearcatjournal.com. Before we get into your show today, all Tony has been talking about all week is UC and Jordan Brand. He won't shut up about it. Is there anything? I mean, when is there? When are we going to get an announcement? What's happening? Look, Wes Miller's posting photos wearing the gear. What can you tell us? If there was a signed contract, there would be an announcement. Okay. So take from that whatever you will. I it, take for that that there is a contract without a signature on it. It's not a finalized deal, so okay. it's not announced like i you know if if it happens will football get jordan gear probably not oh that's too bad i think it would be a nike jordan split like they do in most places fantastic do you ever see lebron james being a like his his brand being involved probably not that's too bad he he for whatever reason has affinity for the hairless nuts up the road exactly so like that's what i'm saying he sends him cleats and basketball shoes all the time but his logo is never on anything I mean, West doesn't really have any connections to LeBron. He does have connections to. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about like LeBron in the future. Like Jordan Brand is in Michigan and Florida and all over the place. LeBron's brand will never be Jordan. 
Okay, fair enough. Well, what's on your show this afternoon? Uh, I think we're going to talk a lot of Reds today. Really? I, 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 well, good, because I, I, I didn't talk up, enough about it. I rustled up what I didn't think was some... I made a, a joke last night. Okay. And there was a lot of optimism bubbling over last night because the young guys in the farm system... All had a had a big night. It was a huge night. Yes, multi home run games mm-hmm. and a cycle and um and there was I, I don't even know who the guy. Apparently, I stepped in a hornet's nest on somebody that's popular that I didn't know of. Oh, I've done that before. Yeah, and um, it's all I all he put like you know the future's bright blah 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 blah. And all I said was, "Who's gonna tell him?" Mm. And there, and I- it it became it's still going. Right. It's one of those and I think my take is reasonable. I agree. I, I look, I want to believe that things are about to get significantly better for this organization because of the talent acquired. Mm-hmm. But until I see a different approach from ownership, I have a hard time fully buying in. I I I'm I'm not glass half full, I'm not glass half empty. I just have a glass and I would like a drink in it. That's a, that's a very good way to put it. I, I know what I want uh, to drink, <laughs> I w- and I would like to have that drink in my cup. Which fan base is more overwhelmingly positive about their, their group on Twitter, the Bengals or the Reds? <sighs> Both. This city is so weird. Like, well, there's just there's such a divide. Like, it's it, half of the people are bat crap crazy, like yeah. negative. And the other people, you couldn't tell them. They dress up and they play all sorts of different characters. <sighs> You're not taking me there. No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like there, there are two entirely different ends. Yeah, there like, are. There are people that nothing the Bengals do is right, nothing the Reds do is right, and there are other people that are like, and I they tr- don't do anything wrong. I try to be more in the middle. And, and I try to, too. Yeah. Here's what I said about the Reds. Like, the, the comparison comes up, and this we're going to talk about this today. The, the Reds and the Bengals. Like, well, the Bengals turned it around quick. Okay. But the Bengals also fundamentally changed almost everything that 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 they do that, that you could look and say this is who they are. Mm-hmm. They changed the way they handled free agency. They changed the way they handled roster construction. They changed the way they handled overpaying veterans for that third contract. They completely, I think, you want to talk about what the Bengals did to change, or what potentially will change the sport of football. I think it's what they do in the in the free agency window. Nobody over 20. No, if we're giving yeah. you a contract, you're not going to be over 30 at the end of that contract. Yeah. If, you know, you're going to be a team leader, you're going to be a captain, you're going to, you like, they've got all these boxes, but the main one being, we are not going to have a team of guys older than 27, 28, 29 years old. And that's how we're going to build our franchise. They fundamentally changed who they were as an organization. If the Reds, who I think, as of right now, look like they did the best job they've ever done in maximizing talent acquisition last season. They sold at the right time. Mm-hmm. They got good value. They they got a lot of prospects. Now let's see them do the rest of the things. Very quickly before locks, the Reds are giving away a Funko Pop on Saturday. Many people collect these. Did you ever collect anything, or do you still collect anything? Uh, baseball cards Okay. when I was younger. Had a lot of baseball cards when I was younger. You still have them? They're big now. I think they got ruined in a flood in my dad's oh, basement. Oh, no. That's but, too yeah, bad. I know. All right. Well, uh, it's time now for Locks of the Weekend. 
Hey, Degenerates, it's time for Locks of the Weekend, presented by Cincy Shirts. Visit either store in Hyde Park or on Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell and always online at cincyshirts.com. Now, let's make you some money. Now, Chad, I know you're not a gambler. I know I'm not a gambler. I did pretty good on the NCAA tournament Okay, that would make sense. It's kind of your area of expertise. It's my area of expertise. Do you dabble in the Kentucky Derby at all? I do not. Okay, I don't do either. Not. I've got two guys. Richard Skinner's coming on today. Fantastic. And, he will uh, Dan Cronin, oh, fat wonderful. bald guy racing, Okay, is coming on today to, like to talk derby as well. Right up my alley, personally. <laughs> uh, Zebra, you are the resident gambler here on ESPN 1530, at least for the next That's uh, right. couple weeks. Yep. Um, what uh, what can you tell the people for locks of the weekend coming up? So I only can give a couple more can't lose more to lock parlays. This one is going to be a trifecta. Okay. You ready? Yes. So here we go. It's going to be Tap It Trace. Come on. First place. We got Tr- f- Tap five- It Trace or Tap It Trice? Trice, sorry. Where's your head at? Five to one. He's five to one. Where are you at? So- sorry. Sorry, Austin. Uh, two Phil's, 12 to one. I like that one. My dad's name is Phil. I. <laughs> yes. 12 to one there. Uh, second place. And I'm and I'm going to go a long shot here. I'm going to go uh, Mandarin Hero. 20 to 1. Okay. You trifect them. Put every dollar, every go to the bank. Take out every dollar you have. Take it all out. Put it on that trifecta. It's going to win. Okay. You're going to win a million dollars. All right. Zebra, thank you very much. You're welcome. Chad Brendel, thank you very much. No, thank you. Thank you to Tommy G. Thank you to Charlie G. Thank you to our talkbackers. Thank you to those who called in. And thank you most of all to our listeners as well. We uh, we had a fun week this week. We'll be back at it again on Monday when Tony Pike returns from his tryout with the Carolina Panthers. I'm Austin Elmore, and you're listening to the home of the Bengals, Cincinnati's ESPN 1530. ESPN 1530 Cincinnati. Available everywhere with the iHeartRadio app.